Welcome, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, skeptic, and real estate agent at Keller Williams with Renegade Realty Group. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? Well, first, RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly. Right now, we're meeting at Shields in Southfield, and that's on uh, 10 Mile and Telegraph. And this group's about networking and doing deals. This ain't your grandma's Rhea, folks. No guru bullshit from the front. No smell of stale coffee, Ben Gay, and or disappointment. You know exactly what I'm talking about, those little dark, dingy rooms. RDI is also this podcast where I try once a week to bring on someone who's done a lot of stuff and also entertain you, right? So if you're interested in attending any of the local meetings, go to renegadedetroit.com meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club legal disclaimer in no way, shape or form should anything that I and or my guests say today be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decisions, you contact a lawyer and or other licensed professionals be an adult. Don't fucking sue us. Okay. Time for the Renegade Detroit Investors Show Quote of the Week, where I pick a quote that sets the tone for the podcast and hopefully your week. And I think I picked a good one that our guest will like today. If you're not making offers, this is nothing more than a very expensive hobby. Charles Dobbins. All right. If you're not making offers, this is nothing more than a very expensive hobby. All right. So I got Charles Dobbins here. Um, Charles has always wanted to own apartments and be a lawyer and pilot. And growing up in, is it Nashua? Nashua, New Hampshire. Nashua, New Hampshire. His yep. heroes weren't your typical heroes. They were the big real estate tycoons of his hometown, like Sam Tamposi or John Stabile. I don't know. Stabile. Who any, Stabile. Stabile, yeah. Don't know any of them, but you old school people, you might, right? <laughs> he attended and graduated from Boston College and, of course, got started in the family insurance business. Not exactly his dream job or occupation. Then one day, after several years in the business, he uh, met with a client who was a multimillionaire, multifamily real estate investor and recommended, and I've actually read this book, that he read How I Turned $1,000 into a Million Dollars of Real Estate in My Spare Time by William Nickerson. And of course, he didn't read it and he did nothing. And he went back to school to be a lawyer, even started his own insurance business, right? Until he turned 40 and realized he was miserable. Then he took a massive action. Over the next 10 years, he purchased over 800 apartment units all across the country, acquiring over 20 million of multifamily property. And he also started his own property management company. And of course, when you do something like that, people start asking you for help getting started. And that's when he started attending several local RIA clubs. And he talked about multifamily real estate investing. He'd fly and share the good, bad, the ugly with all the members and answer the questions, then head home. And he was also the type of speaker that had nothing to sell and just would come in and educate. This led him to creating his own guru program, the Multifamily Investing Academy. He also has his own podcast, Multifamily Investing with Multifamily Attorney Charles Dobbins, where he interviews experts and talks about everything, no holds barred, multifamily. He's also married with four children. Charlie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. That was that you that wow, you did your homework. <sighs> I tried. That was amazing. I tried. You also made it easy by having an about me on your Oh, did I? <laughs> yeah. So I don't yeah, know if your I assistant did I, that. You got into some detail there that I don't think is is in that about me. It was uh that was good stuff. You always gotta Google your guests. I right? know, yeah. I try and be prepared. And yeah. folks, why is Charlie on the podcast today? Well, unfortunately, my good friend, our good friend, 
Doug Benson was going to be on the podcast with oh. us. A lot of you know Doug, right? He was one of the first people on the podcast. He hasn't been around RDI much because he's got a ton of grandkids now. Yeah. But he, this was really important to him. And he told me Charlie's one of the good guys and has been helping him a lot. And we know he's been investing. But unfortunately, Doug had a family emergency and unfortunately involves hospice. So he could not be here today. So we're not exactly doing the dream podcast we wanted to. But you know what? Life is for the living and everything must go on. So we're going to do it without him. But that's why he is here. And for the record, I'm not being paid to say this. I'm not getting paid anything. I think we're going to have a great time anyway because he's one of the good guys. But I just wanted to get that out there so nobody thought... Anything otherwise. I appreciate so. it, but I'll tell you, Doug Benson, one of the nicest men alive. Uh, he is he just is. The fantastic. Best. I mean, he, he's been a client of mine for, for, she's almost three years now, I think. And, um, you know, that's how I run my business is if Doug needs a question answer, he just picks up the phone and calls me. And he's been on my, uh, coaching calls, uh, my Monday night coaching calls for all my students. And it's, it's really interesting. I have two, st- I have, I have Doug as one student and I have another, uh, uh, student called Bob. We'll call him Uncle Bob. And, uh, Doug start- started with me. I think he had nine units. Uncle Bob started with me with zero units. Uh, you know, Doug has built the life he wants down there in Lansing and, and, and quit his job and just runs his properties now. Same with Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob is up to 6,000 units. Uh, and he, and the, and I had both of them on. It's a tale of two, tale of two investors, how they do the deals differently. And it has to do with Bob. Uncle Bob goes out and raises private money. Doug does it all himself. Doug has no partners. Uncle Bob has a lot of partners. And it's just, there's nothing wrong. I mean, that's just the way you can design this business any way you see fit. So, yeah, for Doug's cool. lifestyle and spending time with his family and oh, his grandkids huge. and his children are very important. Yeah. And there's yeah. no amount of money that's going to pull him yeah. away from that. And that's actually, we're going to head there. I had a theme for this podcast because reading through, I think there's so many similarities through reading through how you got started and how a lot of other people get started, where we quite often go do things that we don't want to do because yeah. of other people's expectations. Oh, my God. So I want to go back to the beginning before we get back to the end. Yeah. Right? So you're born into this. I mean, your dad sounds like an amazing Oh, greatest man. man in the world. Greatest man in the world. So tell me about your dad and the business and how you kind of got wrangled in to the same business uh, this yeah. happens to everybody, right? I know. Parents have expectations, and we feel like we have to live up to them and yep. end up doing something. So let's talk about that. Well, I tell you, it's just to give you an example of, of the type of lifestyle my dad. My dad was an orphan, and then uh, when he was turned 16, he, they, the state couldn't take care of him anymore, so they sent him back to live with his alcoholic father and his older brothers. And I, when I was packing to come here, you know, because I flew in from Boston, uh, you know, so I'm standing in my closet, and I look at – I got so many shirts. I just have – so more shirts than, than I, I ever need. And I, re, I remember the story that my father told about how he and his brother had to share one shirt between them. That's hardcore. For, yeah, for, for a date night. And whoever got there first got the shirt. And yeah, yeah, that's the way it was. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, my dad, uh, you know, that's, that's where he came from. And, um, but he was your consummate insurance agent. He People loved him. As a matter of fact, we still run his insurance agency uh, in Nash, New Hampshire, because he had over 3,000 clients that 
that you know loved him and and you know still needed the service after he was gone. So we just keep that. Talk about a multifamily business. Talk about cash flow. That thing just keeps printing money. Yeah, I was reading about. It. He just spent his whole life building oh, yeah. everything around the customer. Yeah. and and I know enough about insurance, and I have some great insurance friends. That shit is a grind, man. Oh my gosh, that is a it grind. Is the most cutthroat, backstabbing, conniving business you'd ever want to be in. I say that. As a lawyer, there's a lot of that going on too. <laughs> and, you know, there's so many other businesses are the same way. Being a real estate agent, same thing. But I got to tell you something. After all, all of what I've seen, I love being a real estate investor. I love working with real estate investors because it's not that way. It's the thing about being a real estate investor is you and I can partner on a deal. I can sell you something that I own. You can sell me something. We can, we can uh, flip leads back and forth. You never burn a bridge with a real estate investor because you never know what the future is going to hold for that. And that's the beautiful thing about being in, in, the, in the investment side of the business. It's awesome. Well, I obviously love it, but you didn't start there. No, I started. What made yeah. you? I got, uh, yeah, let's talk uh, about, because so many people do this, right? And I don't think it's the wrong thing either, especially when you're young. It's hard always to know what you want to do. And yeah. sometimes what you have to do is something you don't want to yeah. do to focus, right? But, okay. Let me tell you where I went wrong. And this is, this is the mistake that everybody makes. So I am about to graduate from college. So everybody's down there at the career center at Boston college. And, and they're all look, going through the big three ring binders. Cause we didn't have them, you know, organized then. And the way that they had the page set up was they said estimated first year income, on the bottom right-hand corner of the page on every one of these companies. And so I was getting bored going through the numbers and I started flipping just that corner, like watching the, you know, the numbers hit. And I had one said 30, everything was around 22,000. This one said 35,000. It's like, holy crap. I pull it open. It's New York life. The company my father's worked for. I thought, Oh, well, maybe I should go take a look at this business. First year my, uh, that I was there, I was I was uh, I made thirty five thousand dollars, but I had to pay all my expenses. See, that's the difference. They don't tell you that part. So you know, I, 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 you know, you you think oh, you that's made not a net. 000. That's not net, not net at all. Uh, so you know that that um, I tell you, sitting at kitchen tables, I thought to myself, I didn't go to college to, to climb up a third floor, walk up and and sit at someone's kitchen table to try to sell them a, t- a term policy. Get me out of this business. And that's when I went back to law school. But that's how I got started. And when I was in law school, I was going to law school nights and I was working in a, in a, in a unique aspect of the, uh, of the insurance business called stop loss insurance. And, you know, no, you don't sell it, uh, to people at kitchen tables. It's a, it's a very unique, uh, individually underwritten product. And I was pretty good at it and I was making a lot of money working during the days at this business while going to law school nights. When I graduated from law school, I was like, do I go out and start practicing law and take a pay cut? Or do I, you know, stay in this business, start my own business? Golden handcuffs a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I've told more people that making more money and changing your life is actually harder than crashing your life and starting over again because you just have less options. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Things are just taken off the table that weren't on the table before. Yeah. You 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 have a good paying job and you gotta like so I gotta stuck. go backwards yes. to go forward. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you do. Yeah, and I I didn't do it. Well I sh- four kids, wife too, family I know. expectations. Exactly. Right? What'd your dad think about um your 
your real estate dreams. Obviously, oh, he was an entrepreneur. Yeah, right? he, yeah, definitely was. But, um, geez, you know, uh, he. It, it's really interesting you asked that question because because we kind of like led two separate lives. Like he ran the insurance business up in New Hampshire, and by that time I was living in, in Massachusetts. Uh, and then I had sold my business. He, you know, he saw me no longer in the insurance business, and he saw me out there buying apartments. And he knew all, these people that were. You know, friends of his, they're the ones that uh, have made millions. And you know, I tell a story about how, uh, you know, that, that person that, that you mentioned in the promo uh, for the book, William Nickerson, his name was John Dobbins and same last name, distantly related, related to us. Uh, he owned an egg farm when I was a little kid and he sold the egg farm and started buying real estate, turned that egg farm into chicken, you know, the chicken coops into self storage facilities. So that, you know, he's now making money off those chicken coops. But when John Dobbins passed away, his three kids inherited millions. And when my dad passed away, my brothers and the three of us get a check every month from New York Life. And last month, my check was the same as my brothers and my sisters, was $48. You know? Yeah, that's a difference. Yeah. And so, I, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's why I love real estate because you can leave a legacy. And that's the name of the game. Did your dad get all uppity about you going and doing it, or were you, were you throwing your life away? Oh or? no, he let me. He trusted me. You know, uh, you know, he saw me go go to law school nights and work work through that. He saw me running a a business down in uh, Massachusetts. I had about thirty five employees working for me at one point, and uh, so he knew I was I was doing all right. Uh, but I just, I just had to burn the bridges. I yeah. just couldn't do it. And then you and I had the same conversation about burning the bridges. Hell yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'm a crazy man. I, I, I will back myself in a corner and give myself <laughs> no way out. Yeah, it's a weird way to do it. Yeah, but it works for yeah. me anyway. It's, I know hey, it doesn't it work for everybody. You, you got to do it. Yeah, that's um, what that's what we did too. Is we kind of said. I'm miserable. Yeah, I'm, what made you wait till you were 40 before you oh, finally man. took the plunge? I can tell you from because I think everybody has ha- at least, especially if you're making decent money. Yeah, even if you're making 60 and barely getting by, life is relatively comfortable. Yeah, to try and take the risk to reach for the next thing. What was it that finally made you do it? You know, I as as much as you sit there and say, you know, I had 35 employees working for me. I was working seven uh, seven days a week. 12 hour days, most days, just, you know, running everything. I, you know, if you look at Michael Gerber's Z-Myth Revisited, I was doing everything wrong in that. I mean, he, if I had read that book before I started that business, I probably wouldn't have started that business. But I was everything from the, no, I quit being the entrepreneur on day two and I was a technician and it was just burning me alive and I was miserable. And, and you know, with any type of, of, uh, you know, um, business that you start from the ground up, you know, there are some times when my employees made more money than I did. And you you just, that's just the way it is. And they don't tell you this in entrepreneurial school if you go to those fake gurus. Yeah, like, not you usually. Know, you do, yeah. No. Yeah, you find Everybody's, this that, Everybody else is first. Yeah. You are literally the, the last, last one. one. Absolutely. Yep. And then the thing is, you know, they don't care. I mean, I'm not going to bad mouth. I had some great employees, but some employees are like, well, you know, you're firing me? Like, yeah, I, I got to let you go. Like, oh, that's how, how dare you? It's like, you don't understand. I got my name written on this on this note. I got to pay this back. You're not helping me. You're hurting me. And like, you know, I paid you well up to this point. Let's call it a day. And, uh, you know, it's just you just start to think to yourself, is this really what it's all about? And I thought to myself, if I don't 
make a change. I've got a 25-year prison sentence yeah. on my head. Because I was at 40, looking at 65. That's a 25-year prison sentence. If you're lucky. It, it yeah. could be longer. Yeah, it could be longer because maybe if you don't set the money aside, you know. And or government comes in, changes the rules, oh, wipes out your business, right? Oh my Who gosh. knows? Oh, listen. Insurance is heavily regulated, right? They could change anything at any time. Uh, look at look at what's going on in California with the with um, the uh, rental um, uh, rent control. Yep. Where they're setting it at eight percent. You know, this is I saw this on on a Michigan uh, uh, multifamily um, Facebook page uh, just uh, yesterday. And uh, they were talking about the government setting the the rent control increase maximum at 8%. And so what do they do? They're evicting everybody. No, no, no. Oh, well, maybe. Maybe that's going to come. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. What's going to happen is that means that this is going to easily pass. The landlord lobby is going to be quiet. Hey, it's 8%. That's better than we get what we're getting now. Let's take it. Yeah, well, guess what happens? That 8%. Whatever the government can give you, they can just as easily take away. Yep. And that 8% is going to be 4% before you know it. And all of a sudden, the, the it's going to be like the you know you put a lobster in, in a, a a pot of water, and he just doesn't know he's going to be boiled alive until you turn the heat on, and then slowly it happens. And yeah, rent control hasn't worked anywhere they've implemented. The reason why I say evictions went crazy because I just read an article yesterday how uh, evictions have spiked ahead of the past because uh, they, they anticipate it passing. And going through, so they're just getting rid of everybody now to free themselves from it because they're just getting out of that business. I'm sure some are happy to be okay. in, yeah. but the smarter ones like me, I saw, I know they could reduce it to six because that's what'll happen yeah. when they can't afford it. Then they'll reduce it to three, right? And then, well, we can't. Then they'll lock it in. There'll be a moratorium on raises, right? Well, you know like, what they're doing when you're seeing evictions. What they're also could be doing is getting out all the low rents, evicting those people, bringing the rents up as high as it, high as they can get it. By the, to the market. I didn't think about st- that. Yeah, they could be manipulating on top of that number yeah. instead of on the low number. Yeah, a so, little arbitrage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, don't get me started on the government, man. <laughs> yeah, we we got a little off track. Point being, for the for the business owner, you have to pivot when the economy or the government pivots, right? Yeah. And the worker doesn't unnecessarily understand the capitalist position. No. I always like how their wages are profit, but your profit is evil. I never yeah. quite understood, like, what do you call your wages then? Is that not profit for your time and effort and expertise in something? Like, but your profit is just something you should get. But the person trying to make, help you make that happen should not be considered whatsoever. It's an yeah. interesting swing that I've noticed over the last 10 years. Like, there's not another guy. Like, most businesses are small businesses, right? It was like 86% of all business, which means there's oh, yeah. a guy like you. Or a gal like you on the other end with 35 trying to make ends meet. And uh, unfortunately, they get they get tossed in with this demonizing of the big corporations. Right. And yeah. they, that yeah. attitude that doesn't exist in real estate investing. Yeah. You know, and the thing it's about what real you estate can do and what you can't. You, you've got to realize that you are Jeremy Burgess Incorporated. I am Charles Dobbins Incorporated. We work for ourselves. Yep. Even if you're an employee. You really should look at yourself the same way and look at like, what, well, what am I getting? How can I make more money? If I do something over here, can I, can I increase my, my bottom line profits on my, my corporation? You know, that's the way you need to look at it. And let me just say one thing that you, you mentioned. Uh, I heard that I heard it said one about rent control. You had, I heard it said one time there are two ways to destroy a city, uh, you know, firebombing or rent control. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen it fail multiple times. Yeah, so, every time it's yeah. been tried, yeah. as a matter of fact. 
I understand what they're trying to do, and I get what they're attempting to do, but to do something that doesn't work just to feel better always strikes me as remarkably silly. Yeah, yeah. You know, And I don't think a lot of them are doing it to feel better, but I'm giving them the benefit of the oh doubt. Gosh, I think some is. of them absolutely know what this does, and that helps them more, too. But So anyway, you waited till you were 40. Yeah. Before you, you sound that bad, finally Jeremy. pulled the trick. Well, because you know how many people I get coming up to me at Renegade Detroit Investors and saying, well, it's too late for me. Oh, I know. Or it's oh like, my gosh. I took the wrong path. I'm like, I don't know. Oh, you're still alive. Yep. You know who my greatest hero is? Colonel Sanders. Yes. that's. I love him. That guy is an inspiration to me. That if, I, if it all wiped out tomorrow, just give me five years. I'll have it all back. Yeah. You don't need as much time as you no. think you need a lot right. of that's just self-limiting yep. beliefs or i think i think we've all felt this at some point sunk costs right you have so much into something <sighs> that to let go of it is you know it's just too much uh, i think uh, when the, the monkey puts his hand in the cookie jar and he grabs all the cookies and he can't get it back out because he won't let go of the cookies yeah when all he had to do to get his hand out of the jar is to let go of the cookies yeah. and pull it out yeah, yeah. kind of like that situation yeah, exactly right it could be challenging but let's yeah. talk about that how did you discuss it with your wife? Oh, that was and how did you do the transition and how did you get started? Okay, that was easy. Um, all right, so what we did, I knew that this is what I wanted to do forever, and I realized I didn't have any education or training in it, and uh, and so I, you know, every night, as in every any business I ever started, I was always working somewhere else while I was starting this new business. I mean, I was at the kitchen table every night starting my insurance business before, while I was still, you know, in, in uh, wrapping up law school and, and, uh, and working for that other company. Uh, so I, what I did was I started educating myself on multifamily. You know, at that time, the internet was brand spanking new and people were just getting started on, on, you know, training courses and what have you. Uh, and then I found a guy that, I don't know how, you know, we want to talk uh, bad gurus or what have you. There was a uh, guy down the road from my house and he had a, a, a training course on, on multifamily. So we, uh, I sold the insurance business and I was in full time. I was in doing this is, this is what I was going to do. And we, we took his course and we started, you know, getting out there making offers. And I can tell you the, the, the thing about it is I made every mistake in the book. And that's why what I tell my students, I said, listen, you work with me, you won't make any mistakes because I've already made them all for both of us. And I will protect you. My job as, as an attorney, not your attorney, but as an attorney, my job is to protect my client from making mistakes. And so that's what I do. And so what we went out there and we started buying, we started making offers all the time. And that was my job. My job I saw because because the people who are the most successful in this business are the ones who have a sales and marketing background. This business, I don't care what you think, this business is a sales and marketing business. That's what happens. Is if the the successful people are the ones who are out there prospecting all the time looking for those deals. And that's what I did. Uh, you know, coming from the insurance sales background and, and, you know, owning my own business and managing salespeople, uh, I was out there every week making at least two offers on properties. Whether they, I wanted to buy the properties or not, it didn't matter. I got offers out the door. And within six months, we had bought our first property. So, and right here in Michigan, as a matter of fact. So, 
That's sweet that your first one was in Michigan. Huh? It's sweet that your first one was in oh, Michigan. Oh, well, the thing is, my wife actually grew up right down the road here. And, uh, yeah, I got married right down the road from here in uh, Troy. She was in Birmingham. And, uh, yeah, so we, we had uh, her father was one of our first investors. And that's why we went uh, looking in the Michigan area. We found a great – we're actually looking in Cincinnati. And we met a really good broker. And uh, she said, listen, I know what you're looking for. Just I'll, I'll find it for you. Said, but when I call you and tell you I found it, just get your checkbook ready. And two weeks later, she calls us up and says, get your checkbook ready. And I we bought it. that property. And we did. That's how we did it. And then we were off to the races. So well, how so how so six months from the time you started yeah. to the time you had the first one. Let's yeah. let's talk about your first deal. I yeah. love first deal talks. Yeah. Right. I, I am the same way. I ask this question all the time. How'd you do it? Yeah. What did the you do? First deal, especially, because there's always a perception that somehow you're you and I are special meat. Oh. Right. Like yeah. Oh, yeah. we were ordained or we got lucky yeah. or, or you, must oh, you be came nice to this business with more talents and abilities than I have. And the first deal is always the hardest. Yeah. Right? Because you know the least. Yep. You haven't even you don't even know what mistakes you, you can make. You can you make, can make yet. Make. So yep. that's why I love the first, oh my gosh. right? So let's talk about the All first right. one. So the first one was a great one. It was a great property. So what happened is it was a it was a um it was a 128-unit complex, okay? Don't – everybody's like, oh, 128. No, no, no. Listen, let me finish. It was a 128-unit complex. It was built over different periods of time. And we knew we couldn't pull off 128 units. That's – I mean, come on. I mean, my goal back then was the same thing that, that I teach today, which what I teach today is how to own 1,000 apartments in five years. And the rule is you start with 20 in the first year. So my goal in the first year was to own 20. And so what happened was that broker calls us up and says, I found this property. It's 128 units. It's like, ooh, jeez. Um, no, but you can peel off. It's like different different uh, sections. You can take one section versus the other. And there was a class A section, about 40 units, and it was really nice. It was two-story, all two-bedroom, two baths, uh, really nice, built in the 90s, just a nice property. And we said, can we buy just those 40? Yeah, you can. Make an offer. I'll make an offer. So we made the offer, and we got it under contract. And the price was, I don't remember, 2.2 or something like that. And so they, um, uh, we had to go out and raise about 300, almost $400,000. And we didn't have any money. Oh, we had money, but we, we couldn't put it all in this thing. Uh, so we went out there and raised private money among our friends and family. And within 60 days, we closed our first deal. And it was, it was bought the right way. And I'm, I always stress this. You can buy property the right way. You can buy it the wrong way. This property we bought the right way. And what I mean by that is we didn't over leverage it. And the problem with, with what you're doing in the multifamily business is you're buying a business and all business requires cash. And if you put too much debt on that property, you're, str- you're sucking the cash out of it and that's going to be a bad business. So we, we put about 30% down on this property. It ran beautifully forever. And then the market crashed and we'll talk more about that later, <laughs> I'm sure. But it was a, it was a textbook, textbook uh, property. Now let me tell you about the second. Okay. Cause this follows right into the first. So once we get that first deal closed, 
the bank calls us up and says, hey, you know the 88 units you didn't buy? And we said, yeah, yeah. And I said, do you want to buy them? Like, well, you know, why? I said, well, because the owner's having some trouble and we'd like to, you know, see if we can help Uh-oh. them out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. This was early on. I didn't, I, if I had heard that same, same, if they had told that to me today, I would have approached this deal entirely differently. But at the time, I was like, felt blessed that they were coming to me with this 88 unit property. Like, no. It must have been pretty bad if they were reaching out to you. You know, (laughs) that's, that's the first giveaway. Banks don't call you to sell you unless they got a real problem. And and I should have known. I should have known. And I didn't. I was new. Still great opportunity. Yeah. And, but but I tell you, my clients, my clients call me up and says, Hey, this bank called me up. Whoa. Why? What's going on? Don't, and they're like, why? Wow, this bank called me up. Like, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. Well, they got a problem. The only reason why a bank is calling you is because the bank's got a problem. That's they're what not- I love about Americans natural distrust of bankers always. Always. <laughs> oh, well, what do you expect? I mean, through my whole career, I found like there is not a contract like, in, in the second. world. That, yeah, there's not a contract in the world that a bank is not willing to break, to break or breach. And don't tell me any other way, any other way. I'm telling you right now. Uh, that's why, uh, in my, my program, we have a special letter of intent that we, that we, um, use whenever we're proposing an assumption. Like if somebody's trying to sell us a deal and we have to assume the existing mortgage, we put provisions in the contract to protect my students from essentially the bank. Because first of all, the bank doesn't care about your schedule. They'll move as they see fit. Yes. You know, and then, then they don't care that your money is about to go hard. And then they have this other thing too is if you read the provisions in an assumption contract, it'll say that the assumption is either a- approved up or down. Like you either are approved for the assumption or you're not. The bank cannot add any additional economic terms. It says it right there in the contract. So we were doing an assumption one time and our money was hard. And the bank finally gets around to approving us. So if I say, you know, if I have to take what they're giving me. And they say, congratulations, Mr. Dobbins, you've been approved. Great. Uh, but there's a little problem here. It, it shows that you're only putting 12% down on this deal. I said, I know. I negotiated a pretty good deal, didn't I? Yeah, well, we don't really like that. So you're going to need to put more skin in the game. We want you to get to 20%. So that's going to need another $300,000 that you're going to need to put. I said, wait a minute. Yeah, you don't understand this. I got a contract with the seller. It says I'm buying it for X. Now you're telling me I got to pay X plus $300,000. Where does that other $300,000 go? I'm not going to give it to the seller. Then he just walks away with my money and I overpaid for the property. Where's my $300,000 going to go? And they're like, Mr. Dobbins, you're asking the right people because do you know what we do for a living? We're a bank. You're going to keep that $300,000 with us. It's going to sit in our bank and you can't touch it. I said, wait a minute, that's a new additional economic term. You can't do that. Well, then you're not approved. No, you just said I was approved. No, and it goes back and forth. And, and of course, that. your money's hard, which for people listening, oh, right? There's a, when you're doing a commercial, there's a period of time when your money's soft, we can get it back, but there's always a date at which there's always, it's always negotiated, but there's always a date in which after that, yep. nobody cares. Yep. And it's gone. It's gone. Whether you close. Or or you don't, yep. right? And you're stuck. And that's to try and prevent also people from trying to do what the bank is was doing to you, right? Coming back and changing everything. Yeah, because yep. this stuff is very expensive to do yep. all this and lots of time off market and all that. Right. But somebody could also use that against you. Like this guy did. If you're not careful. Yep. 
right? Back you in a corner. I just had a son on the podcast and he had that happen to him where yeah. the day of closing, the guy he was assigning his apartment to all of a sudden was like, I don't like how much you're making. And he didn't take protection. He didn't have, a, he will be prepared in the future, right? Yep. But this is a common move that happens, yep. right? Yeah. Especially the further up the food chain you go. Because yeah. what are you going to do to Bank of America? Are we like well, they don't care? They this don't give a this shit. this bank happened to be. Uh, see if you know you remember this bank. It was called. Uh, it had two names. Uh, first name was Wachovia. Oh yeah. And the second name is Wachalovia. <laughs> and, and that's what they did. So we, uh, you know, we we just uh, sucked it up on that deal. That was a different deal. So in this in this second deal that we did. Uh, the bank said, well, how much would you need to raise to buy this? And I did a little quick back of the cocktail napkin. I think I said, we're going to need like $700,000 to close this. And I'm all out of friends and family that have money. They're gone. And they said, okay, well, um, what if we lent you the money? I said, wait, say that again. I said, what if we gave you the down payment and we'll do it as a second note and all this stuff? I said, right there. That should have been the red flag. That should have been the second red flag of the deal. And so we That's said, desperation. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Like, and this is another thing I teach my students is uh, no money down deals. And we'll talk about no money down deals because there are two different types. Um, but the thing is, if this seller finance deals are not necessarily deals, the, the seller wants to get rid of that thing probably faster than you want to buy it. So whenever you see seller financing, you got to think twice. Why are they giving me seller financing? It's because the bank's not going to finance the deal. So anyway, in this particular case, the bank gave, you know, said, we'll, we'll give you, uh, I said, so what you're saying is you can, I can buy this thing, no money down. They said, yeah. And I said, hold on a second. I got to ask my wife, who's a banker. I said, I, you know, put the phone on my chest. I said, honey, the bank's on the phone and they want us to buy the 88 units across the street and they're going to lend us the money to buy it a hundred percent. What do I tell them? She says, find out how quickly we can close, you know, and of course. But I'll tell you, that's, that's, what you th- that's what everybody thinks you should do. And at the time, the market was going crazy. The, you, know, every, you, know, you, you could fog a mirror and get a loan, and you know, every, nobody was going to lose any money. So we end up owning these two properties, one right across the street from each other, 40-unit and 88-unit. And uh, you know, you think about it, one was purchased the right way, one was not purchased the right way. One was over leveraged, one was leveraged uh correctly. Which one did I make more money on every single month? Well the one leveraged correctly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, no hand hands down. Yeah. Hands down. I I never had to put any money into that thing. It made money every single month. That's how you run a multifamily business. And uh, you know, then the other property was break even every single month. Just break even. So that's just so. basically waiting for one thing to go wrong. Exactly, and then you're tr- and you're, then you're screwed. You're one you're one bad month away from dropping the keys on the bank's desk, and that's no way to live. No way to live. Especially eighty eight units. That's a yeah. <laughs> it adds up fast. Like it it, does. It, it's like the more units you have, it's kind of equated to speed as you go down the road. So any mistake you make, yeah. It, it, yeah. Well, with eighty eight units, just it's just bigger. Right? Everything. Right. But if you. But even still, if you buy the forty units, if I bought forty units and didn't buy it the right way, I would still have that same same, you know, sort of Damocles over my head, afraid of what's going to happen. So any minute, yep, any minute, and you know, hey, you remember what happened? Well, that that's what's coming, right? Oh yeah. So yeah. you're you, you you free yourself from uh, previous expectations. Yep. You sell your insurance business. You you go get with the guru. You go all in. You start acquiring units. You're doing pretty well. You're, you're making mistakes, right? Yep. Too at the same Absolutely. time. Absolutely, every single deal. 
but there's a crash coming, right? Yeah, so two years later. Yeah, let's yeah. let's talk about that. So, how many units did you have going oh, into the crash? We had about eight hundred, eight hundred at a high. Yeah, that was yeah. it. And um, yeah, we had bought some terrible properties. We had bought some great properties. Uh, we had run the gamut, and we were about to close on a two hundred twenty-two unit apartment complex. We closed on it. We bought it, uh, but it was a month before we were set to close, and Fannie and Freddie filed bankruptcy. And that changed the world. But once again, once again, Jeremy, it, hap- it was that same situation where your money was hard. The bank, I mean, Fannie and Freddie just went belly up. You should have put the brakes on right there. But we had $75,000 hard. And, you know, we were going to close on this thing. We had the money in the bank and we were going to close on it. So we did. And, uh, that is when, you know, we, we kept the properties. We kept the pro, see what happens in multifamily is, um, okay, there are two types of, of funding. There's the government sponsored entities, uh, and, and, you know, big institutional investors. And then there's Fred's bank. And Fred's bank is your local mom and pop bank where you can, if you're having a problem with a loan, you sit down with the, the banker over some French fries and you, you figure it out. And I say it that way because that's exactly what, what I did with, with the banker on one of my properties because we had had it, uh, um, we had got the loan from Fred's bank. Then we did business with the government sponsored entities, the Fannie and the Freddies. And it really, it's, you have to understand the different nuances between the two lenders that you don't get from a brochure. You have to like understand the relationship that is built between you and the bank, depending upon who you're working with and how that is going to impact how you do business. And during that, that, that period of time, um, you know, we, we worked, we had problems with all of our properties. Everybody did. And we worked out problems. We worked out solutions with Fred's bank. And it was costly that we paid more of an interest rate and what have you. And we had to come up with a little bit more down payment to help them, you know, restructure the note, which, cause we, we restructured the note. Um, and then you go over to, you know, the government sponsored entities, the Fannie and Freddie and you say, listen, uh, you know, we just fixed our problems with our other bank. Can we do the same thing with you guys? And they look at you like, no, no. We're not a bank. Like, no, no, but you lent us this money. I mean, can we just restructure the note? Like, no, we'll take the property back. That's how it works with these guys. They don't care. You, you know, with Fred's bank, I'm one of the biggest borrowers. With, with uh, Fannie Mae, I'm just a number. And this is how it's going to work. And they'll dictate it to you. And, it, and that's the way it is or nothing. So that's, that, these are the things you learn as you go through the, the ups and the downs. And, and somebody once said, you know, I don't trust anybody that hasn't been through the cycle yet, you know, cause they don't know what it's like on the other side. So I'm actually working on setting up a podcast with a bunch of old timers who've been yeah. through two or three and we're going to talk about every single one. Cause you say that too. When I got started in real estate, I came from a military family. Yeah. I had a shitty public education and then. I educated myself, but it was extremely liberal arts education. Yeah. Then I went and became a nuclear engineer in the Navy. Nowhere where there's an Econ 101 book. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't read. I didn't read Adam Smith. Or even personal econ finance. I didn't even pay attention because in the military, you get paid every two weeks. doesn't matter. Right. They can't. So when I went out on the free market, I did a bunch of low-paying jobs, and I got into real estate. I just thought that's how real estate was. 
every I two never weeks. paid attention to the news. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, there's oh, ups yeah, and downs. Yeah. So I had no no freaking idea. So that's like you know people need to understand economy shift, right? It seems like a stupid thing to say, but if you've never really thought about it before, or you've never really really read a macroeconomics yeah. book, you just don't have any idea. Yeah. I have no idea either. Yeah, I was freaking clueless. No yeah. idea. Oh, but listen, listen. I was an economics major, and I n- never saw it coming. Didn't help you either, huh? Didn't help me one bit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Not a bit. Oh, it gosh. makes me feel a little better. Oh, you, yeah. You believe me. Yeah. You, 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 and you got to save the money. You got to save the tuition. Yeah. So, Well, gosh. I don't know if I saved much money. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I so. burned a lot of – I Kind of a description of 2007 was just like going out in your backyard and burning all your money, at oh. least in Detroit. Like in July, you had a lot of money, and then in August, you just set it all on fire and oh. watched it burn. It was, was gone. Like, ah. It was gone. Just like that. What did they say? Like six trillion was lost in the in the economy, or just something gone. like that. Gone. It just evaporated. Yep. I remember yep. my hard money lenders. You're like, okay, I better call and work something out. And you call, do do do. This number is no longer in service. Yeah, I, and you're like, oh yeah. Well, I guess I don't have to work that one out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone. All right, let me try the other wow. one. I, I, it was crazy to me. Yeah. I was like, this, maybe this is the uh, uh, apocalypse, right? You know, you talk about having a podcast and just like the old guys. Uh, I was talking to Jillian Sedoti, who is a dear friend of mine, and uh, she's—I call her the uh, the securities attorney, securities attorney to the stars, because all of the gurus, she, they're clients of hers. And uh, if she ever says like that, that's me. Like, no, I mean, I send all my students to her. She handles all their securities work. Uh, but she and I were talking. She. Uh, she heard these two guys on a podcast called the Old Fashioned Real Estate Guys Podcast, and they never had guests on the show. There was just the two of them sitting there talking about the, the good old days, drinking old fashions. Yeah, that's that's. How, and then then she she spoke one time, and and she had heard them and said, "I want to be their first guest." And then uh, she went to an event, and they heard her speak, and they said, "Hey, we don't have guests, but would you be our first guest?" She goes. That's always been a goal of mine. So they had, now they're going to have guests all the time now. So you should get the old fashioned guys. I would love to, you know, like try and recreate it in the, the micro, right? Just to kind of like, Hey man, this, I know what we're doing now is important. We're paying attention to what we're doing now, but you kind of got to look at the past too. Yeah. To have some sort of idea what's going to happen in the future. There's always some similarity. Well, let's talk about that for a second here because this is a part that I've all, that I'm have, I'm struggling with and I find it so fascinating because now I understand and appreciate economics. I follow it like a teen. I think multifamily economics is so logical and just makes sense. But I'm having the hardest time trying to figure out this market that we're in right now. It's very strange. It is nothing like we've ever seen before. It's new. It is 2007. It ain't going to happen again. No. Because of the, the way banks are smarter, they're underwriting things correctly the the thing that is going to hurt this econ- economy is um is we run out of customers that's it you see if you go down to boston they are building a class apartments all over the place. Well, I think the future is really bright for multifamily. I agree. Cuz if agree. you look at where the legislation is going, they keep increasing the cost to build a single family home. Yes, especially right? California. Especially said. lower yeah. end, yep. right? So when you do that, what you do is you incentivize scale. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if affordability goes out the window, you incentivize scale renters, right? Yep. Cuz you can go build a 
five story apartment complex because every story up is just extra money for yeah. you and the build, right? It's yep. cheaper to build up than it. So there's a lot of legislative, uh, and it seems like we're heading, and nobody knows the future, right? But like with this California law, and Oregon did something similar. <sighs> Right. And I think we will see more and more of that in the future. And sure, it'll fail. Right? It'll fail. And it's, yeah. But it's right. definitely pushing people who might be first time home buyers into renting significantly longer yeah. than they otherwise would have. Yeah. Right. It, so. I mean, starter homes, excuse me, the starter homes are the ones that are the toughest to sell right now because the customers for that home are staying in apartments longer. And in my town, you're seeing million-dollar homes being built all over the place because the people who can afford million-dollar homes have now achieved that 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 uh, you know uh, uh, point in life where they can afford it. They've got families; they want to have their own homes and their own yards, and they're going to spend a million bucks to get that nice house. But other people are not doing that. The the, the people that t- typically uh, those people that used to buy the Levittown type homes, you know, they're not around anymore. They're staying in the apartments. But the thing is, if we run out of customers in this economy, who if they they keep building these Class A properties in 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 and around Boston, if we run out of the young guy who can spend two thousand dollars for a one bedroom, then this market is going to start to change. That's when it's going to happen. But that's typically what the, how a market is supposed to change. It's not supposed to change because the bank went belly up because they were giving bad loans. It's supposed to change when you run out of customers and you got to modify your behavior as a business. And so I think it's it's and and there's a great article out. I, I sent this to all my students. Um, the um, uh, the uh, the chairman, the CEO of Camden Properties, was on a panel, or actually, he was interviewed uh, at a, at a conference, and they asked him, like, "What's going on with this market? What do you see?" And basically, he's saying that he has to look at deals entirely differently than he did eight years ago. Eight years ago, he wouldn't touch a, a you know anything like a, a four cap. Now he's going, you know, going at, at four caps, and because he's realizing that his money sitting on the sidelines is still being better spent in this market, even if he has to overpay a little bit more for the properties than it is sitting in the bank account. So that's, it's a very strong market, and I don't see any any signs of letting up, which makes it harder for new investors to get in, in the business. But you gotta, you, there are always deals everywhere you go. Well, it, it's definitely. It's definitely more challenging when you don't know what's happening, too. But you also got to figure it out on the way, right? You mm-hmm. see in single-family homes, it's one of the reasons why I'm kicking ass in Detroit so much. There's so much inventory so cheap that you can never build now. And yeah. the new construction is really not profitable for the most part below, like at least around this area. It seems to be right around the 275 300 That's the right price. Above that, it gets okay. real easy. And below yeah. that, it gets really tough. Yeah. You need some sort of tax abatement or, really? you know. So that's what pushed a ton of people. And I just got lucky. I was just years early, right? So that yeah. pushed a ton of people uh, affordability-wise. No, don't say you don't, don't say you got lucky. And, I mean, into not, you know, I just tried to like, – now like I'm kicking Warren ass Buffett. in Detroit. You were the Warren yeah. Buffett of Detroit. You, you went in – with a pessimist, can I quote you on that? Yeah, well, everybody, all the he pessimists said it. You were running out. Right? Well, you were running in. That's what Warren Buffett does. Yeah, but I ran in like ten years too early. So too. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, I yeah, saw the value, and, yep. and then everybody else realized the value. And I think the value gets greater 
going forward because I don't think we're likely, at least in the single family home, to reduce the cost of building a new home. Mm. So it makes me worry that we're kind of pricing out an entire part of the market. But so long as we have all this extra inventory and other places, we can kind of fix it. Yeah. It's is fascinating. It's it's very strange, and then yeah. then you got apartments going up and getting bought up everywhere. It's I know. Commercial. I'm sure you drove here. Commercial's just blowing up. Yeah, they're just building I'm, shit everywhere. Well, I've always, Retail, everything. I've always been amazed at how many office buildings there are in and around here. I mean, just right here on the street. I mean, you don't see that in my neck of the woods. We just don't have this type of uh, of you know corporate offices like this. It just doesn't exist. Well, so. and most of the people I have on the podcast too are single family, so I think this is interesting. We got a multifamily because it's an entirely different look. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think I've had like seven or eight multifamily people on, so like eighty-five, ninety percent of the podcast has been then, single family, and they're very different, right? And well, they, but they're get? kind of feeding off each other too. Well, well, wait a minute, who you been cheating on me with? Uh, <laughs> you know, we got Doug Benson. That one, that, that's one right there. Well, do you what? know Josh Sterling? He would be like our local. Charles Dobbins. Really? Right? No, I don't know. So like know. nine years ago, he was a, uh, a flight controller. Okay. And he got two properties and it crashed. And he's like, now nah, I'm over leveraged and I can't sell them. So he had to rent them out. Yeah. And in the process of renting out, he realized all these other properties were so much cheaper. And he just did a monopoly move. So he's like, how can I buy more rentals to fix these bad yeah. ones? And <laughs> yeah, then he's like, well, he I did. ran out of money. So how do I get this money out? So then a bank gave him a commercial loan. So he was like losing money on every deal, but he was making up for it on volume. Not a, well, just the first two. Yeah. Then he went right with all the rest. Yeah. Yep. Good for and him. then pulled it out. And then he's like, why don't I just him. buy an apartment instead of all these houses? And now fast forward, he's at a thousand units yeah. nine years Good for later. Him. So and I still, had him on the and podcast. And he's still landing planes at, uh, you know, Detroit, uh, Wayne, whatever you guys. Well, call you'd it. like him because he flies too. Does he? Yeah, because he's he want to take. He's the coolest guy. He's like oh. Jeremy. I want to take you up on the plane. Oh, I want to. I was die. like, what? I was yeah, like, really? I'm like, my guy want to take me up. I'm like, right, totally. I guess if you insist, you know. <laughs> Wait, I gotta, did I show you a picture of my plane? No, you didn't. Oh my gosh, you're gonna love. Yeah, because you did fly here. We had a hell of a time organizing. Oh this, yeah, but, but I I didn't fly my plane here. Oh, uh, you didn't. Uh, no, and I'll explain why. I'm it is still, a long ways. It, no, the guy that built the plane because it's you know he built it himself. Um, he, uh, um, he is from Michigan and he, uh, you know, he, he built it so that he could fly it out here. Uh, come on, baby. Come on. Oh, it's right. Did he not finish it or? Oh, no, he did. Um, oh no, he did. Definitely did. Um, there we go. Here's my baby. Check this bad boy out. Oh, that's nice. So what we're looking at here is that's uh, red, white, and blue. With uh, I yeah, love that. It's an RV10. Here, I got to show you my suspenders here. Uh, oh, there he goes. Yeah, there oh. we go. He yeah. would he would blend right in with my plane, like the American flag plane. Exactly. So the uh, the two guys that built it. It's a, it's a home built plane, which I kind of like. Uh, I kind of I thought to myself uh, when they first when a guy first called me up or I called him, and I said. Uh, Okay, home built plane. Yeah, all right. You know, I'm, I'm not really in the market for a plane right now. I could still got two kids in college. I've just got my license. I'm a member of a club. Works out very nicely for me. And then the guy, I get him on the, on the phone. I knew his father in law, and he says, uh, "Well, you can see the picture of the plane, uh, you know, and, and take a look at it. And if you just type in the tail number, so I type in the tail number, and that picture popped up. I'm like, whoa, okay, uh, maybe not. And then, and then he goes on and he says, "Well, you know, the plane has a a, a parachute system." 
I said, oh, kind of like a Cirrus SR22. And he goes, he goes, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I said, oh, that's cool. And so as soon as we hung up the phone, uh, I started Googling this plane because I, I didn't know what an RV-10 was. And I come to find out RV-10s don't come with parachutes, okay? So where this guy came up with the idea to put a parachute, that was like uh, totally a, a home homebrew. So I go to the plane, I meet him, and walking around the plane, I said, hey, Anton, um, Tell me about this parachute system. He goes, yeah, here, let me show you. Here, you got this cable here. You pull up this, and it pops open the fuselage, and then the rocket sh- uh, shoots out the parachute. And I said, I said, uh, Anton, these planes don't come with parachutes. He goes, yeah, I know. I put it in myself. I said, <laughs> I said but what do you, you and your partner do for a living? He goes, oh, well, I'm a rocket scientist, and my partner's an aerospace engineer. I said, boom, I'm buying this Yeah, plane. never mind. Never mind. Yeah. Yep. That's not any- exactly built in the backyard. Yeah, you know? or, yeah, exactly. Built by some $15 an hour Piper Warrior, you know, uh, man. It'll probably work. It'll, It'll work. Yeah, yeah, I know. I found, the, I, found, uh, I found it online. Plans are probably good. Exactly. <laughs> I said. I'm not interested. <laughs> I said, I know. I said to the guy, I said to the agent, I said, well, uh, you know, because I'm buying out his partner's share. And he's moving to Switzerland to run an aerospace company, and uh, and I said to uh, I said, well, if ever I need this parachute and and I pull it out and the thing works, I know who the first phone call is going to be to the guy out in Switzerland. It's like, hey, guess what? It worked. <laughs> the thing worked. So that parachute, if something goes wrong, you can just like uh, save your plane. Yeah, yeah. I save your plane. No, believe me, I, you would. It, it'll it, you'll get down safely. You probably won't want to fly that plane again after that. So, so it's like, oh, it's an emergency only. Save your life. Yeah. And yeah. then your plane's done. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's what you got insurance for. Yeah. But anyway, exactly. you would like him because he, right. he's got the plane too. Although he's upgrading to, I don't know if he bought it yet. It was ridiculous. I think he did. When he got one of those guys, you got to give him 75 grand. They go find you a plane. Oh, okay. And he's like, I think he's, he's moving up to a jet. Oh, is he really? Yeah, he's, uh, he's got okay, to that. Okay, so I, I hope he's getting a personal jet. Not a private jet, a personal jet. That's the new thing. A personal jet? Yeah. He showed me a picture, but uh, I'm not good with like jets. Honda? I can't remember. Was it a Honda jet? No, but it was big. I was like, Jesus Christ, oh, man. Big? That's like a big ass. And like, he's going to fly it himself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You see, there's this new thing about personal jets. You know, pri- private jets, like corporations own that. You have a thing. A personal jet is one that you fly yourself. And there, uh, a Cirrus is coming out with one and, uh, Honda Jets is, is one. So if anyone's on the podcast, go Google those who think they're the coolest. It looked plans. pretty cool what yeah. he was showing me. I yeah. was like, damn, man. Jesus, yeah. Josh, you must be crossing your shit over That's there. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. So yeah, you would like it. So what is with you? Cause well, he flies everywhere. Yeah. Right? Cause that's how he goes and checks on all this stuff. Yeah. And that's I, what I want to do. It makes sense, right? You do have yep. to, like, because if you're doing multifamily apartments, at some point, you do have to, like, okay, I'm looking in southeast Michigan. Well, that's limited number of opportunities. Yeah. Or, okay, I'm looking in Michigan, right? Yep. Well, still at a certain point, yeah. limited number of, now, okay, I'm looking at the Especially Midwest. Especially the type right? that he's looking for. Like, And I always say, like, you've got to choose the market where all the... Uh, you know, where, where you are going to be five years from now. And, you know, there are deals everywhere you go. Don't think you're going to go down to Dallas, Fort Worth, you know, because some gurus telling you that you're going to buy down there. You can find those, those gurus, those, uh, heroes of mine back in Nashville, New Hampshire, 
They made their money in Nashville, New Hampshire. That's where they they uh, found the deals. Well, that was a whole different world back then, right? You know, but there was no internet. They had to do a lot of calling. Oh, oh, right? oh like, absolutely. It was all yeah. Now it's like it's kind of you know like the Marco Polo. Yeah. yeah, you do the internet's the Marco Polo. Like now you're connected to all these markets that you weren't connected to yeah. as easily before. I think that's maybe a little bit sign of the times. So let's get back to your okay. The crash, right? So how you got through the crash. Yeah. So we lost some. We kept some. Um, you know, we still own, uh, actually we have four complexes and two of them are on a contract right now that's for sale, uh, which is kind of nice. I'm looking forward to that, that nice payday. Um, and so I'll tell you, you know, so it was, it was a roller coaster. So what happened with me is, of course, the crash happens. I'm, you know, I was making great money on my property management. I was making money, you know, buying and selling property and it wasn't happening. So I had to put out a shingle and I said, well, okay, I've got my law degree and I'm not going back to insurance and I'm going to start practicing law. And so right away, the people who became my clients from, from a legal standpoint were, um, were other multifamily owners who were losing their properties and they were losing their properties because of the market. And basically, I couldn't do anything to help them. I was just holding their hand through the process, just, you know, telling them this is what's going to happen next is when there's what you got to get your ducks in a row over here and, you know, just helping them out to, uh, to minimize the, the loss. Um, but what it showed me too is a lot of these guys bought bad properties. It's like, why'd you buy this? Oh, I was going to do this. I was going to do this. We're, you know, it's like, no, that was never going to happen with this deal. Who made you think you could do this? Oh, I took a course, you know, and uh, you know, next thing you know, they, they're multifamily investors and which is kind of how I got started too. But I, I saw that these guys were not being trained properly. The whole world, you know, these gurus were out there teaching you how to get rich fast and it doesn't happen that way in multifamily. It just doesn't. Um, you know, these guys who say that you're one, uh, one, uh, deal away from retirement or, you know, put your, uh, feet up on the ottoman and put everything on remote control or no tenants, toilets and trash, just travel to Haiti and tennis. Well, my favorite is you could smoke weed on the beach all day and become a millionaire. No, you fucking can't. No. You can't. Gosh. Don't believe that stupid if, shit. You know, 90 it doesn't days, work. If you don't keep your eye on your, on the, on the uh, bottom line every day, in 90 days, your business will be gone. Yes. That's it. You have to look all the time. Yeah, you always have to. I mean, just now it's better than everything else, though. With it, it, they're right about that. If I you think. opened up your um, your ice cream stand in May and turned it over to all the high school kids to run, what do you think you're going to have when you come back in October to shut the place down for the yeah. season? That's uh, it's it's a business. You've got to run it like a business. Well, Jordan Peterson talks about it, but it, it's also you look at life. You can't leave anything alone. Like if you walked away from your house for a year. Everything would get worse. Oh yeah, like yeah. the natural state the, yes. is decay. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's true with your house outside. It's true with your career. It's true yep. with your investment. Which, to your point earlier, why you can't overfinance is yeah, your building takes a lot of money just to keep it where it's at. Exactly. Uh, it's a business. You got to a lot of that profit quote unquote profit goes back into your investment to keep the damn thing running. It's yeah. not just something to be like oil to be pumped out of the ground. Yep. It, and when it, it has to be cared for like a, a living thing. So yeah, any neglect like that, you did no set and forget. Yeah. 
You can systematize and you can well, reduce. And you must. I'm sure you teach tons of things exactly. like that. Yep. Right? But I teach you how to work on your business as well as in your business. And that's really what the focus for my, my owner form, which is my, my training program, is for 2020 is I am going – it's much more of a holistic approach where I take you through you know, step by step. This is how you have to build your business. This is how you have to work in your business and making sure that you're putting everything together. Because so many people come out of these, these training camps. And they all go looking for deals, looking for deals, looking for deals. Well, what have you done to set up your investors? Have to you know because you're going to have to ask for money. Are you ready to ask? I for love money? that you're talking about this. Yeah, are you going to ask for the money? Oh, so if you're going to sit down and, and talk to somebody about money, have you ever tried to sell multifamily to them before? Like you just spend the last six months of your life learning about multifamily. Now you're going to go sit down with grandma and ask grandma for a hundred thousand dollars to put into your deal. How much does grandma know about multifamily? Well, I go back even further. Are you a loser at your job? Are you the person who's, who goes out on a smoke break for 20 minutes instead of 10? <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden you take this guru class. Oh. And you go around, and start asking every, you got to look at yourself first. Yeah. Well, what reason does anybody have to do anything with you? And the group, most of the gurus, that never even comes up. Yeah. You okay. max out your credit cards, you go to your family. And there's no, like, I always equate it to a map. Even if you know where you're going, if you don't know exactly where you are, you're still going to have a hell of a time getting there. You need at least two points. And a real, like, okay, am I the kind of person that somebody would lend me $50,000 before you even start? Right. And I think if we all answer that, honestly, almost all of us in the beginning would have to say no. Yeah. Right. And if you start there first, which is why I tell everybody go out and network, listen to podcasts before you ever do any asking, you kind of got to remake yourself in your life and become a person that somebody would that actually do something like that. Right. Right. You know, it kind of gets back to my early uh, insurance days at New York Life. 22 year old kid, wet behind the ears. Didn't you know? Just took all the training cl- classes at New York Life about about um, you know the different insurance products. And I said to my manager, I said, "Why would someone listen to me about insurance? I mean, I just started here." And he said, "I'll never forget what he said." Uh, I, still a friend of mine to this day. Uh, he said, "Charlie." You are going to be the smartest person in the room when it comes to insurance because you've got more training than everybody else. That's why when you start in this business, you've got to get trained. You've got to become an expert in your particular field. And here's, let me just give you a perfect example of what we used to do. My wife and I, we had one investor and this guy was a ball buster and he was smart. And we would go get a deal under contract, put together the whole offering memorandum, put together a private placement memorandum, and sit down with John and say, John, here's our new deal. Would you like to put $100,000 into this deal? And John would rip it apart, absolutely <laughs> rip the deal apart. He would pick and, – and my wife and I were coming out of, out of there, and we were smart people. My wife has her MBA. I'm a lawyer. And we walk out of there shell-shocked. Yeah, it's hard to be, accidentally become a lawyer. Oh, yeah. yeah. It takes time. It yeah. takes time. They, they, you got to be relatively they, smart they and committed. Yeah. And, and, and I was so, – uh, I'll toot my horn here, uh, Russ, uh, Jeremy, just so you know that um, – I received the highest passing score in the history of the Massachusetts bar exam. 
Hey, we like shameless self-promotion yes, here at Renegade yes. Detroit Investors. I actually have a part of my meeting that I actually call shameless self-promotion. So I don't it's allowed. To, I don't want to tell you that it's a pass-fail test and the highest grade you can get is pass. Yeah. So it's all about marketing. It's how you market it. That's how you market it. So, so when you sit down with the likes of the Johns, or I always say, when you sit down with grandma and ask grandma for her money, there's a reason why grandma has money because she's smart. And she wants to know what the average rents are in that marketplace that you're buying in and why yours are higher or lower. And where did you get your information from? What's the cap rate? What's the cap rate trend been? What's the absorption rate? I mean, you've got to know your market. You can't just walk into like, I have one, one of my students that drives me absolutely up a tree because I call him the shiny penny investor. And once he's in Kentucky. I know exactly what you're talking now about. Now he's down yeah. in Florida. Oh, now he's looking at a deal up in Syracuse. New like, greatest best thing and uh, never does anything. Oh uh, no! Well, this guy did. He, he closed his first deal uh, two weeks ago, which I'm very happy about. You're rare. Uh, no, but I said to him, I said, "Why are you all over the place?" And he goes, "Oh, the brokers keep sending me deals." Well, of course they're going to send you deals. That's a broker's job yeah, to sell you some shit. Yeah, sell you some shit. Exactly. Your job to decide what to buy. Exactly, and say no, no, I'm not interested in Syracuse, you know, New York. Come on, man, and and so. You have to become an expert in your market or they'll run roughshod over you every day of the week. And especially with grandma and John, you know, John, my investor and your grandma, you're trying to get money from, you got to be the expert. And it's not exactly the same as this because you can do it faster, but it's like trying to go to the gym and deadlift 600 pounds on your first day. You can yeah. learn faster than you can deadlift 600 yeah. pounds, so it's not exactly right. Yeah. But you don't just walk in day one, like, hey, you know what? We're doing this. And yeah. Not the best idea, sitting no. at the table with grandma. Or what if you have that grandma who loves you no matter what, gives you the money, and then you go fuck it up? Fuck it up, yes. That's even worse. I see that happen oh, it all, happens. all it the time. To me. Right? And, you know, best thing you can happen is get a ball buster who you know, takes I'll, your deal and shits all over oh. it. And then, like, wait a second, what about, and points out all the areas your weekend. And the best advice I can give you is if the market turns on you, if you get to the point where you're losing losing uh, money and investor money, always answer your phone. Yes. Always answer your phone. You know, that's a, I mean, we were working with some uh, partners that would run and hide. Doesn't work. We answered our phone and we're the, we're the only ones left standing. So. Yeah. yeah when the shit will hit the fan yeah. at some point, it, yeah, right? It just does. It just does. Like in, a, in an average investor's life, right? Assuming they live to what is it, like 87, there's going to be. Been, I've already been to three. Three. Yeah. Right. That. We're done. And you're relatively a young man still. <laughs> I'm 72 years old. Look you, at me, You man. can I'm still, you, you got another, you got at least another fifth. There's probably at least one more. Exa no, you know, I'm waiting for. God forbid you live to 100. There's probably two, two. more. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for any yeah. moment, any day now, it could happen. Uh, but I don't think it is. Yeah. I don't think it is. It's no, something. I think we have, I think it's hard to say exactly, but I think it's more like a, um, I hate to say stagnation, but like a slowing slash stagnation. Well, my son who's an economics major at George Mason, and he's really into economics more than I ever was. The kid watches the, uh, um, who's that, uh, who's the big, uh, the big economist from the University of Chicago? Uh, Friedman? Friedman. Yeah. Okay. So he like watches Friedman on YouTube as, as fun. That's what he finds that enjoyable. Uh, and so, and, and if, if anybody, you should, you should go to YouTube and type in, uh, Friedman. I can't remember his first name. What's his first name? Uh, Friedman, um, uh, rent control. He does a great little 
essay on rent control. And he, it's a, a YouTube video. You can see it. It's really good. So, uh, but the, what he was saying, my son was saying is that the information, the speed at which information flows so freely now in this economy is allowing the markets to correct themselves almost instantaneously. And therefore it's able to, to, it doesn't have the, the, the swings that it once had. And that's, that's what they're looking at now as to why this hasn't been a seven year cycle. We're coming up now on a 14-year cycle. And why is that? And I think that's one of the reasons why. I also wonder if um, even though it was 2007 for Detroit and it was 2008 for some places and then 2009, depending yeah. on where you're at, right? Like it's recent enough too. I think a lot of investors and even institutional ones, they might be just a little bit more careful to them before. And with the access to information – I'm hoping anyway, people are more vigilant, but then I always go back to the case natural state, right? Yeah. So I I have a heart, like, I think the information is definitely helping and then you should be, but I think the longer we go, like it just more people will make a mistake, right? I don't yeah. know. Like who knows the future? I like what you say. If you, if you leave some equity in there and your, your, your cash flow is good and your debt service coverage ratio is good and, it's a lot harder to screw it up. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, yeah. you're resilient. Yeah, exactly. You can, you can monitor, you can withstand the, the forces that come at you. So that's what I focus on. Like, yeah. is my business resilient? Exactly. Is it profitable? Am right. I bringing in enough leads? Do yeah. I have enough cash? Like, yeah. what else could you do? It's all about profit. And yeah. you've got to, you've got to, uh, you know, take your profit first and, and manage that, that property so that it continues to pro- provide you with profit. And that's the name of the game. Yeah, so, so don't panic too much, folks. But no. yeah, if you if you if you're making money on cat, you're making good money. You got enough money to keep feeding it. Yeah, you're probably you pay attention. Just don't do that stupid shit, right? Yeah. We all did it. We did it. We don't all did it. it. I was so stupid. I, did so I pulled all my money off my like credit that. cards. I went oh and bought houses God. I couldn't afford. Yeah. I went and yeah. got hard money loans that were yeah. like so. I, like if you're like you just tell me what not to do, Jeremy. No, it's because we've done it. Yeah. Yeah, we're both sitting here, and we're sitting here saying, "Like, do it, do it. like, don't sit around and wait for the next crash because it may never come." Yeah, and just buy good deals now. I know multiple people who bought it, quote unquote, the worst time, two thousand one yeah. to two thousand five, who because they didn't over leverage themselves, even though they lost over half the value in their property over the short term. Yeah. In some cases, their rents even went up. They wrote out the whole thing, and then some of them even sold for great profit at the end yep. where the values dropped by half, and then they actually went up again and were above the original value. It goes to show you what you could accomplish, at least in protecting yourself. Not the sexiest thing in the world, like, oh, I got to rent this thing out for 13. Right. You know what? They have yeah. way more money than I have, yep. and uh, they did yep. way less units than, it, than we did. It's not sexy talking about buy, hold, don't don't pull out all your equity, leave some of it. But frankly, it works yeah. over the long term. And the way the multifamily business works, I mean, you're, you're talking single family. One of the lessons that I teach in my Saturday uh, class coming up here in Detroit uh, this coming weekend is how to turn $100 into $30,000 in multifamily. And that's a real number. I have a student that's doing that right now on one of his properties. And it's not a get-rich-quick strategy like, oh, look at it. I'm going to take this $100 and go watch. It's going to turn into 30 No, it's how multifamily works. It's the power of the cap rate yeah. that you don't get with single family business. This is why millions are made on single fam- on multifamily. I had one student, uh, Jake, 
great guy. And he, oh, he found a sweetheart property. And he knew the property was in distress. He went to the bank. He knew the banker. He said, what can I do? Introduced him to the owner. They were, struck a deal. He bought this property and, and it happened like bing, bing, boom. And I'm, you know, he's calling me up all every day. Like, how do, what do I do now? What do I say? This is the process. What's going to happen? And he knew that his rents, he'd have to go in there and do some rehab, probably about three to $6,000 of rehab per unit. And he could increase the rents by a hundred bucks, hundred units. Increase the rents by a hundred bucks. He rehabbed one unit and then he had an open house. He had eight people come in and say they, they want to sign up to have that, that, uh, new unit upgraded and they'll pay the hundred bucks more per month than what he was getting before. You just got a waiting list. He just got a waiting list from one, one thing. And so he is going out there and rehabbing all of his units. He's increasing the rents by $100 per month. It's a six-cap property. Now, for those of you listening at home, you might think to yourself, what does all that mean? For those people that understand multifamily, they just did the calculation in their head, and they know now that that guy, every time he increases a rent by $100 per month, his family becomes $30,000 richer. Yep, Their net worth has gone up by $30,000, and that's how multifamily works. Well, that's the main difference between single family and multifamily. With multifamily, it's all about the bottom line. So Cash anything flow. you can do, yep. value add. If it's being poorly run, run it better. Yep. If it needs to be improved, needs rehab, run it, go fix it, yep. run it better. Whereas exactly. with single family, it is way more subjective. Yep. It's like, what that what that sell for across the street? Well, yep. okay, that's, I guess, what I'm going to get. Yep. It's yep. way more. Now, don't get me wrong. I love that kind of thing. I sell that stuff all, all the time. Yeah. As a listing agent, it's yep. fantastic, right? But at, from an investor point of view, it's incredibly subjective. And the riskiest thing you can do, especially flipping, right? Because you have to account for this value staying the same. Whereas in multifamily, not only is it the bigger it is, the more efficient it is, but whatever value you can add, it's very straightforward. And the yeah. banks look at it that way. The investors look at it that way. Yep. It's significantly less subjective. Yeah. So it is. It's in some ways, I would even throw this out there. I hate to throw it around. It's it's simpler. It, oh, I could not agree it, with you more. It just cuts it, out all, all this there's subjectiveness. No emotion. There's no yeah. yeah, there's no emotion. It's a formula. It's a formula. It's a three variable formula. If you know two of the variables. You can solve for the third. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist necessarily to figure it out. That's it. Three variables. Where sometimes I feel like in these rapidly appreciating neighborhoods, I'm like a fucking wizard just trying to pull a number out of a hat. Right? (laughs) Like, And I'm I'm trying to explain, well, there's appraiser might say this and the buyer might bring more money. And like, you are just like, it's like a stew and you just go, probably. Exactly. Right? This is what you just described is what new multifamily investors look like when they're across the table from grandma. They look like fucking wizards. Pull yeah. the numbers out of the hat. You can't do that. You have to show her you know the business. You know what the market is. And then and and then she'll she'll put her money with you. But if you're gonna sit there like, uh, I don't know what the cap rate is in that marketplace, well then why should I be paying this price for it? Because so, I went to a class. Because I took a class. I went yeah. to a class and they <laughs> said, Go get money from your grandma. You so here I am. Let me hear grandma. you say that. I went to a Grandma class. Grandma gave me money. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I went to class. You should go oh, to class. Oh, we all go to class. Too, Absolutely. Right? Yep. You should. That, but it, get yourself right, too. And that's what I want to get to. So you start doing all this, right? You're helping oh, people out. Oh, still talking out. about me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> still helping people out. Yeah. Um, yep. You start getting invited 
to uh, Ria's, right? Yeah. And these are, for people listening, if you don't go, I always recommend you should go, whether I like them or not. Go yeah, network, be go. social. Yep. You got to see. Gotta, learn from other people's mistakes. Otherwise, yeah, otherwise, you're just sitting in the, above your mother's garage. Even the worst meetings that I can't stand to this day, I met some of the best people yeah. at. Right? You know, that I'm still meeting- friends with and still do business with till this day. But you start getting calls to go out and, and and do this because right. I'm I'm leading up to your your guru debacle and how you fixed it. Okay, right? wait a minute, hold on. I'm gonna find out what the guru debacle. Is. Let me tell you. Do you remember your first Ria Club meeting? Yeah. Do you do you who who was the speaker? Do you remember? I I do. Okay. You you know him? Oh, do I? Yeah. He was on your podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, Larry Goins. Oh, Larry Goins. Yeah, more. He was a road warrior. Yep. He was out at every meeting. Like, I mean, he came just, here multiple times, yep, yep. and my first meeting was Rhea McComb, and the first oh, guru okay. at that meeting. Now, I signed up. My guru that I signed up with, uh, but I didn't go to a meeting, right? My friend came back from Iraq, and he read Robert Allen's book, okay. um, uh, Creating Wealth with Real Estate, and his No Money Down book. So I yeah. read that. So we got, we got roped into that bullshit, okay. right? But then I came here. That was my first, like... Oh, I got to see, like, I went to a RIA meeting, my first RIA meeting ever. Yep. And it was uh, Larry Goins. Okay. So. so let me see if you know who mine was. I'll give you some, some uh, of his resume. Uh, he's from Ohio. Uh, he's a lawyer and an accountant. I'm coming up blank here. John Heyer. Oh, yeah. Okay. John Heyer was the first guy I saw speak at a RIA club meeting, and that was a mistake. That was a huge mistake because I walked out of that, that class laughing my ass off. It was the best entertainment. You know, it was better than going to a stand up improv thing. And I just thought every meeting after that was going to be like that. I thought every Rhea club is going to be like, uh, like when John hires. I bet you were disappointed. Oh, yeah. so severely. Yeah. Yes. Like you can't imagine. Yeah. Okay. So wait a minute. You got to, you got to. So I want to, yeah, I want to, I want you to lay to out your debacle. path of, of guru. Oh. Yeah. How? Oh, you're talking about the one where like this sales. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. There's a reason why I'm not in the insurance business. I'm a lousy salesperson. I hate asking for money. I, I I can't, as they call it, sell from the stage. I, I'm not that guy that that gets everybody to stand up and walk with you in the back of the room. I, I that is just not me whatsoever. The first ten people, though, Charlie, you run to the back. <laughs> <laughs> run to the back of the room. And I'll give you a free CD. Who wants a CD? That's you. You took action. Yeah. Here you go. Uh, the secret is everybody gets a fucking CD. <laughs> I'll just let the cat out of the bag right now. And let me just tell you something. I don't even have CDs. Like you get nothing from me. So I, mean, you just I get love tons it. Of information. So I go out there and I start, you know, coaching it. And the first first one I went to, the first uh, someone I'm not going to mention her name, not because she did anything wrong. I just don't want to uh, uh, use her name. She was the one that that I was introduced to to go speak at her RIA club, and she, she was, well, what do you, what do you sell? So no, no, I'm not selling anything. I'm I'm just going to give great information. Uh, well, you know, that's not really how it works. Uh, you need to come in and sell something. So I had to like create this stupid home study course. It was terrible. I mean, I'm sure it was great information, but you know, a three ring binder and boxes for nine ninety seven or something. Oh, and I remember sitting in the back of one Rhea club and, and uh, the guy comes down like, ah, oh, it's worth $5,000. But if we, if you act now, we're going to drop it down to, and the woman right sitting right in front of me goes, $997, $997. Yep. 
It's like that's the price, and then they, then they get a split. They all got the, the same house. formula. Split oh, it fifty fifty. Yep. yep, it's such, such crap. Yeah, I hate that. So it's I, funny you hate that because I did too. I obviously found good gurus in the future, but I think the system is set up wrong, which is actually why I set up Renegade Detroit Investors okay. the way it is. We all react differently. Yeah. So when I always ask, what are you going to do about it, folks? Complaining ain't shit. What yeah. are you going to do yeah. about it? So you had your what are you going to do about it moment. Yeah. And yeah. I, and, well, I, I did because this woman came up to me, saw me speak. She says, you're fantastic. You're the best thing out there. You tell it like it is. I can sell your services. You should hire me as your salesperson. We'll go do shows all over the place but i said i said okay that that sounds great like and she's and we can charge thirty thousand dollars for your coaching program and i looked at her i said like are you kidding me people will pay 30 it's charlie dude i paid more exactly there are so many people that have come up to me i paid fifty five thousand dollars to go jump join robert allen's shitty program yeah because i didn't know any better i I took a massive action which i'm proud of yep still Mistake. The the woman that heads up a RIA club that I just spoke at, she told me she spent $70,000 on Than Merrill and other guys $50,000 with Trump. And it's just that's the going rate. People pay that. I said, I said, okay, if you think we can do that, uh, let's give it a try. And we did three shows and it just proved what I had to say before. I am the worst salesman in the world. And she wasn't much better. And the only person who ever made any money on those three events was her. After I paid expenses and everything. And I sat down with my wife. I said, I can't do this anymore. It's just not me. It's not what I want to do. It's not the type of business I want to run. Uh, you know, this is just, I, there must be a different way. And, uh, you know, th- my father at the time, there he was, you know, f- almost probably, you know, he was in his 70s. Had a successful business. Clients loved him. He took care of his clients. And, and I asked him, I said, Dad, geez, if one of your clients bought a product from you today and called you up two years from now and asked you a question about the product, would you take his call? He says, of course I'd take his call. Well, that's the stupidest question I've ever heard. I said, yeah, but these people don't. You pay $40,000 and you try calling them up two years from now and ask you a question. They're not taking your call. No. But you're their client. You were the customer. But it doesn't work that Mine way. Mine didn't take the call the first time. So disappointing. Oh, see, that's bad. So disappointing. Yeah. I haven't got into the entire story at all, but like I couldn't. That's a podcast. That they, there are even ones that will take your money and then won't even return yep. your call yep. in a timely fashion during the time in which you're contractually obligated to do so. Yep. So, oh, yeah. Oh, it's crazy. It was bad. So my wife and I sat down and designed the owner form. That is my program that's my product it is one 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 size it's it i'm not trying to get you into this program so that i, I can upsell you to my $25,000 program i don't have a $25,000 program the way my program works is it's a monthly fee depending upon it's it's right now it's $697 a month and there's no long term contracts it and that's could change though in the future. And there's no, a big like sign up fee or anything else. It's you pay the fee. And if, as long as I keep providing you value, you're, this is how my program works. I think the subscription model is awesome. I, think about what business yep. I'm in. Think about what, what business I'm teaching. Cash flow business. Yep. I get it, it brings so many more people in. Oh. And they're not, if it sucks or if they don't like it or they, or let's face it, I wish more people did more with it but yeah, how many people yeah. like you or like me just weren't ready yet yep and oh, we yeah. heard the right information but we we didn't act on it well they could get out too and yep. which means they can get back in easier at a later date because yeah. 
when we blew our fifty five grand, you're not getting that back. It's gone, and then that's that's it. Yep, you can't do it again. No. How yep. many times time's can up. you do that? Time's up. Yeah. So it's a really honest and way to do it too. Cause it if is, you suck, if they just I bail suck. on you. And the thing is, nobody puts my name in ripoff report because I'm not ripping anybody off. I'm, and the thing is, you call me and I answer my, answer my own, my clients get, um, uh, get their phone to answer. Listen, this guy signed up with me, uh, calls me up. He says, I, I want to hire you as my attorney. I said, I'm not practicing. The only way you can work with me is through my owner form program, but I'm sure you'll get everything you need out of that program. And so he says, he says, uh, okay, fine. So he signs up, he pays, he pays the, um, uh, let me see. Is that the guy I talked to? Is he San Diego? Yeah. He pays the, um, uh, the 697 bucks and he goes and, um, and signs on up. And first thing I do is Deb calls me up and says, you got to call him just to introduce yourself and, I called him to introduce yourself. I said, find out what's going on with him. What, what do we need to do? Spoke to him for nine minutes in the car ride over here. That was my newest client. I got 150 clients and you know, that's what I do. The same thing my father would do with his clients and all of my clients get up to $50,000 of earnest money is available to them to bind their contracts. They, they have key principles lined up that to help them qualify. I do everything for my clients to get them across the finish line and everyone has my cell phone number. They text me, they WhatsApp me and that's the way it's supposed to be. That's a way if, if you needed to speak to your lawyer, because you're involved in the transaction, you don't want to be able to pick up the phone and call them. I'm surprised more people aren't doing it. What do you mean? This, this yeah, because if you look, I think the, the, the subscription model's obviously taken off yeah, everywhere for a lot of reasons, yep. right? Um, I, what things I love about it, more affordable, obviously, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, if you just want to try something, yeah. you can. Uh, but also, there's accountability that's attached to it that yeah. isn't attached with the one time large payment. Yeah. Cause once that money's gone, <clears throat> what I hate to say it, I'm not saying people have leverage over you, but it is a form of leverage It's a social accountability, right? Yeah. Uh, you want this month's payment and then you want next month's payment. And then you want, I think it's incentivized the correct way, which is over the long term. Like now the onus is on you to add value over the long term versus the old model, which is get paid all up front. Right. And you're done. And it's kind of a moral hazard, frankly, right? Uh, that model, no matter how good you are, when I talk about moral hazards, go Google it, people, right? Like, unless you're Jesus, that's a risk, right? When I say moral hazard, meaning we're all meat sacks, right? No matter how good or bad we are, humans respond to incentives. Yeah. Right. And incentives with moral hazards rarely end well, which is what I kind of liked about your subscription model is there's a form of accountability into it because you're incentivized to add value over long term. Yeah. Instead of just if you run back now, create some scarcity, right? And I love selling and I love hard selling. I was a wholesaler before I became a, a real estate agent. I know how to hard close someone. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but you can hard close someone on a subscription plan, right? You see what I'm saying? Like you could still use that tool yep. and still add value. So I thought the structure was just morally bankrupt in and of itself. Whereas the subscription model, I'm sure there's ways for it to go wrong, like there's because business is bad, but there's a lot more honesty. In it, and there's an incredible amount of liability. Yeah. The onus is on you to yeah. add value exactly. every single 
month. Exactly. And I love how you pivoted from it too. Cause so many people just quit or like, I wouldn't, if I ever do guru anything, it'll be like you with some sort of subscription Let me model, you, right? It'll make your life as a guru so much better. I mean, the, the thing that happens, and this has been such a fantastic byproduct of the way my program works is my clients become my friends. I mean, they, they see me every Monday. They see my face. I'm talking directly to them. They know they can call on me anytime they need. I mean, we just, I, I play golf with my clients. I play, you know, go out and have dinner with them. They've been in my house. I mean, it's, that's what happens when you, when you treat people with respect and you give them a good product and give them, the, I mean, think about it. It's the same way my dad ran his business. Yeah. That that's was the point exactly that I was reading through. Like, your dad did right that way. But yeah, yeah. for sure. Right. Yeah. Like, of course, you're going to take the call from the client. Of course. Of course, you're going to and take the why call. Would, that's, what's a stupid question? Why would you even ask that question? So many people don't, though. Exactly. And that's... that's It's shocking. I hate to say old school, but in the new school, like there is a little bit of a throwaway culture, too. Yeah. Right? And uh, clients aren't throwaways. No. Right? No. It's so much easier to keep a client oh. than it is to get a new client. Oh, let me tell you something. Man. You, just, you touched upon it just a moment ago. You, When people come out of my program... They, nine times out of 10, send me an email and it's an apologetic email. I'm sorry, work just got really busy. I started a new project. I'm going to have to come out of the program. I'm coming back in the next couple of months. You know, please accept me back in your, in your program. I'm like, yeah, that's the whole point yes. behind the, behind the way it works. And they're saying like, Charlie, it's just not the right time. Or I looked at it and, and multifamily is not for me, but your training is, is better than anything I've ever seen. You do, you do what you say you're going to do. And, and, and I, the thing is, Deb has been collecting these dear John, uh, emails as we call them. And I'm going to put them out there to show people like, Hey, this is, this is who I am. This is, this is exactly why I designed this business is, is I want this type of relationship with my, with my students. Well, I think so, it's significantly more honest and I can't immediately see the moral hazard in it. No. Right. I mean, if, if there is, please let me know. Yeah. I couldn't, I yeah, couldn't find it. Yeah. I tried. Yeah, thank you. I, I yeah. wasn't going to have a guru on the podcast without uh, – I love Doug Benson, but I'm still going to do – well, you know, because I've had just one individual, unfortunately, right? Okay. On the podcast, and it happened to be multifamily, and it was a scam thing. Oh, you're kidding. Well, I mean, talk to talk, walk to uh, – like, it took me like six months to figure it out. Really? And the way I ruined my reputation the last time I tanked my business, I was like, I can't afford a second one. Yeah. No. Right? So I, so I did they, my homework. I couldn't find the moral hazard in the subscription. It doesn't, as far as I could tell, no, it doesn't exist because you're only as honest as your last month. And you want to know exactly. You know? And self correcting immediately. If you wake up and suck tomorrow, everybody leaves you. Like, there's not even a story to tell. Yeah. There's yeah. just, oh, it didn't. I you know, went somewhere else. You know? I, I, if somebody calls me up and says, "Hey, can I get my money back?" Yeah, sure. Here you go. Uh, you know, one month. There you go. There you go. Your money, money back. Yep. You, you know, I, I'm not gonna challenge you. I've, I do the same thing on listings. Oh, yeah. I signed this listing. I've been fired a few times. I'm like, well, oh no. Well, how do I fire you? You just tell me you want out. Yeah. There you go. There's yeah, your answer. I'm not gonna. I, I try to tell my I'm students. Hold you hostage. That, that my students say like, "Well, is there, uh, at, at my my Saturday uh, classes, people say, "Well, uh, like, do I?" How long do I have to be in the program? Zero. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be in it at all. I, I, so I don't have to sign up for 12 months? No, you don't sign up for 12 months. And you don't want to know why? Because I'm not going to sue you. I'm not going to sue you. I'm not going to come after you because you, you stiffed me for six months. That's not the kind of business I want to run. Like if I'm not providing you value, we just shake hands and part friends. Yes. And that's, that's how we end it. That's, so, well, that's how I like to do partnerships now too. Oh yeah. I, I do a lot of deal by deal. 
stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. Where it's just you and me on of the real one estate deal, business. Yep. right? So we're we're always as honest as our last deal, yep. and if we change our minds or go another direction, that's just such an honest way of conducting any sort of business. I'm not yeah. against long-term partnerships either, but it's like getting married. You got to be careful. Yeah. Right. And, but the thing is about real estate partnerships is the beauty of it is it can only be one deal yep. long. You know, it doesn't have to be anything more than that. So, but always, oh, I have, I do a whole class on partnerships because the worst things that have happened to me in real estate were because of bad partners. The hell yeah. So, Why do you think yeah. I, I was stupid and yeah. I got two very bad partners. One ended up going to jail. Which good? He literally was a criminal. The other one should have, okay, but uh, didn't. You know, yeah. All and right. I luckily managed to avoid the whole thing because I didn't run away. And thank God I used title companies for everything. Yeah. So I never touched the money. Yeah. Which is probably why I'm not in freaking prison. <laughs> exactly. With one of those. That's guys. the thing I teach. I said never, yeah. never, never touch your clients' money. Don't. It, don't. it stays with the escrow company. Just don't. don't. And you know there are some gurus. I know some gurus that have have multiple uh, told me oh, to. I would. I will say this. I'm going to give a shout out to Jason Kennedy, even though he worked for companies I didn't like. He actually gave me some value and he said, never. And I took it. I just took it as a never. He said, never touch the money as it always goes to the title company. Yeah. There's always a mortgage. Uh, If you're borrowing money for construction, it's on a draw basis. Right. And then the investor has to sign off on the draw. They can do their little inspection. It's like, if you do it that way, you won't go to jail. Yeah. And I didn't think about this in the future, right? I was just new, young, but I took that and I internalized it. It's so real. that one thing literally saved me. I had so much pressure from these guys and just to in general, the, 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 the culture of Detroit, you don't need to do that. We could just take the money oh. and we could save the closing costs. And Unbelievable. Like, nope. Unbelievable. And I didn't. And I yeah. think that's probably why, because how, how can the FBI figure out the difference between me and my two shitbag partners, partners yeah. right? Yeah. I never touched the money. They yeah. they cheated and lied and figured out a way to do it. Yeah. So it became more clear. So yeah, just don't touch the money. I just he saved and my butt. I tell you the um well one of my partners became a became a woman. That's interesting. Yeah. That was a surprise. Worked with a guy for 10 years, never saw it coming. Never saw it coming once. Anyway, okay, so let me get back. Let me tell you something new that I'm doing with my Onaform program. So if you came on Onaform, it's got a membership uh, platform and all of my videos. Everything I've ever recorded is in that membership portal. It's about almost 500 hours of training all over the place, all, you know, taking you through it. And then just the other day, I've been, I've been meaning to write a book. I've been, I know, I say, hey, you gotta have a book. You gotta have a book. And so I've said, ah, I just don't have the time to write a book. People don't know what a pain in the ass a book is. Oh, what a freaking pain in the ass. So much oh, easier to do a God. podcast or a oh, video. Exactly. Why do you think we're talking right <laughs> exactly. now? Yeah, they just you don't know. Just like trying to, Try and like, write something. Yeah. Go do it. You'd be like, oh shit, uh, that's harder than I so thought. I, I had a guy on my podcast who has this seven hour book. And you sign up with him, and it's seven hours, and you know, an hour for seven times. And and I said, hey, listen, all you got to do is sign up. My, you know, I'll, I'll give you access to my membership portal. Everything is there. You got. You don't even have to talk to me. Everything's there. But what I realized was that everything is there. From new students coming in, the biggest complaint they have is, Charlie, where do I start? You've got so much stuff going on here. I don't know where to begin. And then I kept thinking, well, how do I? Organize and what do I do? And then this guy who's writing the I'm writing the book with sends me over this Trello board. Do you know what Trello is? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So he had mapped out this whole entire Trello board with all the cards, the lists, and everything of how we're going to write this book. 
in every aspect of, of writing the book. So Trello is like a software program, people listening, for like project, project management. management yeah. But it's visual. Yeah. Yep, it's the exactly. visual version. So if you don't want Nat charts and all this other stuff, you can you can go Trello and you can have a visual version yeah. of this. Yep. And it's it, it, it's on your phone. And so I saw the what he had done. I thought to myself, wait a minute. I can do the same thing for my, my owner forum members where I create a Trello board that takes you through all the steps to, to work on your business and then all the steps to work in your business, all your steps to, to go out and get money and all the deal analysis all right there on your own private Trello board that you and I interact with nonstop. So what we're doing in, in, in 2020 is I am letting everybody that's been, that was once in my program and said, I'm coming back, coming out, come back in. I'm going to give it to you the same price you were at when you left. I still have the same, the first two people that ever signed up with me are still clients of mine for $297. And it's, it's six. Damn it. Quit now. so they can charge you more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? No, 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 no. Don't. I love you. I love this. Yeah. People. You can't say you can't keep them forever if they go away. Oh yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to let people back in and they're all going to start working with me on that Trello board. And we're going to build your multifamily real estate investment business right then through every step. It's going to take you step by step by step by step. And I'm going to be involved with you every step of the way, all via Trello. And this is how I'm going to be able to integrate and work with my students. Uh, That's going to be cool, well. dude. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so I, I was I, thinking of doing something similar. I like you said that because I was going to, I get this question a lot, even though I got the podcast and I point them to certain yeah, podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, right? part of it. What be, you're kind of talking about is a visual syllabus, right? Like, yeah. here you go. Like, all and right. Then, the information then, was all there, but now here's your visual syllabus and here's how we're going to go through it right. and here's how we're going to work through it. And you're going to tell me, this is what I just did. And I'm going to see it. It's going to come every morning. I'm going to get that email that shows exactly A lot of what accountability in that too. Exactly. And so now it's like, hey, if if you want to do this business, you got no more excuses. You got no more freaking excuses. I'm done with you. That was the only downside I thought to the <laughs> subscription model. And don't get me wrong. It's not a big downside is that it's so affordable that it's easier to quit. But the the positive side to that is if you fall out, it's easier to get back in. So it's yeah. like, I like it. But the only thing good about putting all the money down is even though I blew it, did I really want to go back and tell everybody even I still did? Like okay. I was so committed Here to it. Here is why I think you're wrong. I'm going to, I'm going to say, I love this. <laughs> okay. Here's, here's the thing is whether they are in a one time fee or a subscription model, they're going to do what they're going to do. And if they, they're not going to finish the deal or they're not going to go out and start looking for deals every day in a, in a one time fee. That's it. That's they can't get their money back. They're done. On the subscription fee, it's almost like a you know a gym membership. You see that hey, I got to go to the gym. Go to the, go to the gym. But here's the thing: is is like that level of accountability. Every Monday, you get a phone call from me, and a phone call says, "Hey, this is Charlie Dobbins. I just want to remind you about tonight's phone call at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And in this phone call, we're going to talk about uh, with three of my students who just closed a deal this week. You get the opportunity to speak to these these students face to face and ask them how they did it. So be on the call tonight, seven o'clock. Uh, you know, you've got the dial-in number. We'll see you then. That's every every Monday. I have a, my as I tell people, I'm I only work one hour a week, and that's from seven to eight p.m. on Monday nights. And 
Everybody comes on that. I say everybody, but half of my students come on that call, and every Monday they get, you know, they get reminded that they're in this program. They got to do something. What am I going to do this week? What am I going to accomplish this week? And uh, that's that's how I operate. Is I'm right there in your face. So your argument is the size of the investment does not necessarily. Yeah, you're going to do it whether you you get more by subscription. They get more calls to action. Calls to action. Otherwise, my program has more calls to action. Yeah. And the thing is, because you're paying me every month, I'm, hey, I owe, I owe it to you. That's the way I look at it. I owe you, you know. That is the part I do like about it. Is that yeah. I've got to, I've got to earn my keep. So, and last night, on last night's call, um, it was a holiday last night, uh, whenever this goes out, but, uh, um, the, what we did, it was a smaller group and I said, listen, I, I rolled out that Trello board. And I said, I just need 10 students to be my beta testers. I want you to, you know, whether you're an expert on Trello or you've never even heard the word before, I want you to just be, be one of my beta testers. So I got 10, 10 students who are going to be testing out this new program over the next two months to make sure it works. So when I turn it on, uh, January 1st, everything, everything works. That's super so. cool. How did you, since Doug is not here and yeah. we miss Doug, we're going to do like a little pretend Doug okay. here. Because everybody here knows Doug Benson, oh, right? Oh, cool. That's great. Um, Doug and Deb, right? Everybody yep. knows him. So how did you and the Bensons get hooked up together? Because he called me with nothing but glowing everything. Yeah. And, uh, we and all now you like, know why, huh? We, we, we all like, know, and love Doug, right? And yep. Deb. Sorry. Not Doug and Deb, right? So how did you guys end up hooking up together? Well, we when we were... Uh, buying properties we were working for another particular guru and we were hit my wife and i were coaches for him and i prefer not to mention any yeah you don't have to it's okay it's not a gotcha podcast it is yeah yeah, i'm not i'm not that way but um this is about you not about them exactly but doug was one of my wife's students and when we left that guy, Doug stayed with us and signed up. When I got my program up and running, Doug joined, and it's just been uh, great. Actually, that's yeah. a good point. I don't just because I'm anti bullshit guru doesn't mean I'm throwing every coach under the bus, right? Like yeah. just like any organization, there are good people in it yeah. and there are yeah. bad people. Larry Goins, he's a good guy. And you just got to test some shit out, and yeah. sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. So I'm not throwing everybody. I throw the business model. The old-fashioned yes. business model under the and bus. Let me tell you, right? it is the old-fashioned really business is. model. Yeah. It's it dates back to the guys you mentioned, the Adams or, or um, Allens, and the um, the guy before him. Uh, who, what was his name? Uh, Carlton Sheets. Well, Carlton Sheets, but then um, there was another guy who who was who, before Robert Allen. Okay, it might have been somebody. Oh, the guy that lost everything down in Florida. He was talking about over leveraged and the market crash, and he he says yeah, I'm never gonna one. never gonna yeah. earn back what I owe. Um, oh boy, I can't remember his name. I know what he's feeling. I'm still paying people back from that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Doing the right thing yeah. is takes a long yeah. time sometimes. I think this guy yeah. was like in the 120 million range. Yeah, yeah. Man, that yeah, that always makes me feel better. Yeah, yeah. You're like, ah, it's not that bad. <laughs> Nowhere near that bad. Yeah. yeah, it could be worse, but no. So, but that's the thing is, I, I like running my business. Money in the bank, profitable. Uh, I don't want to take on any risk. You know, as I tell them, look at me. I'm 72 years old. You look pretty good for 72, I got to say. It's the only way I get compliments by telling (laughs) people I'm 72. That's a good way to do it. Exactly. You look like you're maybe like 58 or something like that. Oh, you asshole. (laughs) 
That's all. Fifty-five. Like, fifty-five. Fifty-five. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. You don't. You don't look. I told my that true old, age. Yeah. So. Thanks. Nice try. Yeah. yeah. You like the seventy-two better because. <laughs> hey, you're silverback now, right? It's like yeah. it's different for men. The older you get, the the you know we get better like wine. Yeah. You know? Exactly. So. At least that's how I'm selling it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as I get Don't older, sell it to your wife or yeah, whatever you do. Uh, I, so. As I get older, I sell it that. Well, you have um, Doug helped you put together. Um, and by the way, for the record, he's not paying me. Um, I like the guy. Doug sent him my way. I'm never going to get paid to do this on the podcast because I, I do want to clear that because I am the anti-guru guy. But they're not all bad, and you got a lot of room for the future too. Yeah, right. And I think the future is bright with the internet. With video, mm. with podcasts, mm-hmm. literally, we're seeing a revolution in education. Yeah. So the way we educate each other in the future, and then the social accountability, like, so you got to allow room for new things. So I'm that old model. Is that with me? This new model is in. But you're actually doing something this weekend, right? Which yeah. is why why you came. So. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, my model is different. I mean, so I don't have these three-day boot camps where I bring in a whole bunch of other speakers to try to sell you something. I don't do anything. I teach I teach a class on one day on a Saturday all over the country. It's like a law school classroom. I, you know, I make you think, you ask me a question, I make you th- come up with the answer because the beautiful thing about multifamily is it's so logical and you can figure out exactly what, what the uh, right thing to do is. So I teach that class from 8.30 in the morning until uh, 5 o'clock at night. Uh, we take, you know, only break for lunch. Everything else I just teach the whole way through and I take, take it right from the very beginning of why multifamily all the way to the end of how to make offers and how to, how to put the deals together. And that's what we do all day long and then and you know i mentioned 697 a month that people sit through a whole class with me i give them a discount on on joining my program so uh that's the uh, that's the incentive for coming to coming to see me teach and i am teaching i got it right here uh, and i'll put a link in folks yeah. too oh okay good so it's going to be at the Westin in southfield uh um and that is going to be on this saturday starting at 8 a.m at uh, registration 8 30 is when i start and i start right at 8 30 and the name of the program is how to own a thousand apartments in five years and and it's tuesday october 15th tuesday? right so oh, that's tonight so you're going oh wait a minute hold on so tonight i'm speaking in in uh lansing but this that I'm telling is an all day yes. Saturday. So you're going to be in Lansing tonight. What yep. meeting are you going to be at tonight? I'm, I'm going to be at, oh, brother. Not too many people will get that part. But then there's the yeah. Saturday. It's Saturday, yeah. right? It's um, this Saturday at the Westin. The Westin. Uh, in Southfield. I'll include a link if you want to go do it. It's $149, 830 to, to five, 5, right, at the Westin. Stop. You can meet them in person and ask me any questions you want. It's like having a lawyer all day for 149 bucks. And the only other thing he's selling there is if you want more information afterwards, you could subscribe with him to to his program and get that coaching. If you want to just hit it and quit it and come and get the information and run away, that's perfectly acceptable. Absolutely. There won't be 10 other gurus there no. trying to sell you and some I'm, other I'm stuff. The, as I said, I'm the worst yeah. salesman in the world. I'm going to hand out order forms and teach you how it works, and hopefully you'll be on board. And it'll either, so. it'll either work or it won't. Well, we're at one hour and 45 minutes. Wow. It's 2.28. Now's the time where I open it up to anything you want to talk about that we haven't talked about. 
You can pitch more of your program. You can explain it more detail. You can cover something that we didn't discuss, okay. or really just thank you for coming on the podcast. All right, let me just let me just talk about open it this up. One thing that I think separates me from other people, and and part of it is is where I see a huge deficiency in new investors coming into the business. And I see, and we talked about this a moment ago, about working on the business, working in the business. And think about what happens when somebody comes out of a boot camp. They're all gung ho. They're all, you know, they're all sign up for LoopNet and they're all doing these things and they're getting the offering packages in and they're sending, you know, they're contacting the brokers and they're, and they're using their special software and they're coming up with offers and they're sending offers out the door. And that's it. That's how they've got involved in this business. That's how they've started. What they're not doing is coming up, you know, even most basic thing, coming up with a company name, with a company website, with an email address, with the, with the logo, with the, um, the, the, uh, website that captures people's email addresses, that captures investors' names that, that can, you know, start to build that investor database. And, you know, there's a guy out, uh, I don't know if you've uh, ever talked to him. His name is Whitney Sewell. Young guy and he's, he's out there and he's, he just is focusing on syndication. And so his website is all about bringing in the names. And when somebody signs up for his website, he qualifies that person on the site to figure out, Hey, will this person be a good potential investor down the road? And he's already starting to build his investor database. And so as you can see, they come out of the guru boot camps and they don't go out looking for the money. They haven't set up the system for finding the money. They haven't really even set up the system for finding the owners of the deals that they're looking for. And so they're, they're really not creating a nice, sound, multifamily real estate investment business. And that I think is the part that is grossly lacking. And that is what I'm trying to fix with this, the Trello board and with putting everything together. I've got all the tools out there. I just want to help people build that business the right way. Yeah, there's more to make to a business than just making offers. That's one small part yes, of the business. Yes, it is. Actually, yeah. that's a great point. You know what I decided to do after I realized I couldn't run a business? There was no subscription plan for me to go sign up for. I went and worked for two people. For a total for five and a half years to figure out how they run a business. And you're absolutely right. I knew my ARVs. I knew my rehabs. I I knew so much. And I was right about But I did not know how to run a business. And it seems so elementary. But they didn't, at least my guru class, it never never got covered. Right Now I know. You know, yeah. Hard one, right? And I had to go out and I don't regret it. I learned a lot from these guys, made them a ton of money. I made a ton of money too, but I had to, I learned on the job. Yeah. Is, is how I did it. You got to know how to run a business. You know, if you, if you think about what my, the, my hook is, the name of my class and probably the name of my book is how to own a thousand apartments in five years. That's my hook. And, you know, people say, Charlie, well, you've never owned a thousand apartments. Why, why are you saying that? I said, yeah, I know. I came close at, eight, at 800, but, that's not the reason why it's called this. The reason why it's called this is because when I was teaching all over the, all over the country, I would start my, my Saturday presentation by asking the question, where do you want to be in five years? And I'd point to this guy and I'd point to that woman. And I'd point to the next kid and would write down on the whiteboard what their answers were. I want to make $10,000 of passive income. I want to quit my job. I want to, it was always, always someone that said, I want to own a thousand apartments in five years. And I'd look at him. I say, "Why? Where? Why a thousand units? Where'd you come up with that?" And he says, "I don't know. It just sounds good." 
I said, but, but do you know how to do it? And he goes, no, that's why I'm here. I want to learn from you. I said, okay, I'm going to teach you how to do it. But nobody does a thousand units in one deal. You have to build a business from nothing to a business. That can I like run it. A so it's your units. sneaky hook to teach him how to run a business. Exactly. Yeah. If you stand any chance, you're going to have to run it like you're going to have to. Yeah. If you're going to run it like yep. you know, we used to run our business. Sometimes you're never going to do it. So let me show you how to do it the right way. So that's well, I want to hook game. in one more thing because I think it's such a good hook and stories line up your story and my story all the time you spent waiting what right because there are people like when i was going through my my job my so i joined the navy because i know i was up to no good yeah and even though i was good at my job i hated it every moment yeah. right and when i was done with that i went and got a bunch of bullshit jobs that i also hated and didn't like but i just got stuck in them and I had these ideas in my head that I couldn't or I shouldn't or it wasn't the right time, right? Just like you spent all this time in your insurance business waiting to get started. Or like the people who say it's too late to get started oh. on something new. Like yeah. whether you get into real estate or not, or maybe you want to start a chocolate business or whatever it is you want to do, the only thing I regret is all the waiting I did. Leading up to it. Why did I wait to get started? Yeah. That was your point. Don't yeah. wait for. Well, I'm waiting for. You know how many times I hear that? Well, I'm waiting until the, yeah, the next recession. I know. I know. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I mean, we're running out of time. No matter where you start, every day you're alive, you has less time yeah. on this planet than you had the exactly. day before, yep. regardless of how long you're going to live. You know, it's like that old Dear Abby. Uh, some 65 year old woman sent her a, a letter. Said, "Hey, I've I've always wanted to be a lawyer, and and uh, you know." I, I'm now I can, but I don't want to. It's going to be three years, and it's, and I'll be 68 by the time I'm done. And dear Abby's response was, "Well, how old are you going to be when you if you don't go? Yeah, in three years, that's you're going to be 68. Point. You know, Start. Just just keep fa falling forward. Start. Yeah, I tell you, and, and you know what? I'll remember, never forget. I started, you know, uh, a law school later in life. Later, not really. I, mean, I was in late 20s. I didn't come right out of college and go to law school. I worked for a couple of years. Uh, and I'll never forget, like, oh man, I got in there first couple of days. Oh, this was awesome. This is going to be so cool. By about the third or fourth week, I remember going up to law school, uh, after, after work, getting up there six or seven, six or six thirty and sitting in the front row and thinking to myself, shit, I got to do this for the next four years. Oh man. But you know what? I never stopped. I always went. You know, there was no way I was not going to uh, not going to finish that thing. No way in my life. And I think that's the way I approached a lot of this, even with the real estate. Is like I'm not uh, uh, I'm not going to say no. I'm going to I'm going to keep doing it uh, and make sure it's a success. I think that's with my with my uh, coaching program. Uh, I'm, I'm not uh, man. I this Trello board it I it fires me up. That I figured out a new way that I can help people. I mean, that's that's the type of business I have. It's awesome. It's so cool. Life is only short if you're doing what you love. It's fucking long if you're miserable. Oh yeah, they exactly. lie to you. Life is short. You yeah. marry the wrong person, life is long. Yeah. <laughs> you have the wrong job. Yeah. Life is long. Yeah. You know, like it's only short when you're you're enjoying yourself. Which if you find your life is incredibly long, and you you can't wait to a certain moment in your life i would that should be a red flag to you yep that red flag should get thrown up uh, and you should start asking some some deeper some deeper questions don't just throw everything away and destroy your life but what the hell are you waiting for man i don't yeah. care what it is 
And that's actually one of the reasons why I started Renegade Detroit Investors too. There's so many people that tell you, no, you can't. When, what does it take to actually get started in multifamily investing? It just makes got to start. Make just some make offers. offers. And, you know, it doesn't cost anything to make offers. You know, and it, can anybody make an offer? Anyone can make an How offer. How smart do you have to be to do this? Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know people, and I don't like to mention names, but I know low IQ people who are extremely successful because they don't get in their damn way and they don't listen to what yeah. people tell them they can't do. Yeah. You don't have to be that smart to do this. You just have to do the damn thing. I try to tell people, I say, listen, it boils down to business. You take in a dollar, you pay out 80 cents, you keep the rest. Anybody can do and this. you do it over and over again. Anybody can do this. If anybody, if you got an 80 or higher IQ, you could literally <laughs> do this. Don't listen it, to the people. Now, you might be starting at a shitty spot. Yeah. But you know what? That's just the way life is. Yeah. Nobody gets to pick no, where they exactly. start. Exactly. You know, it's like complaining, I don't like where I'm starting. Well, nobody can do anything about listen that. Listen to all the guys who made it. None of them started in a good spot. I mean, every time I ask a question in my class, like how many people here are in a crossroads in their life? How many people are right now are at a point in their life where they're, they're having, you know, there's some, uh, some, tra uh, trans they're in a transitional period of their life. Every hand yeah. goes up. Welcome to being a human being. Exactly. <laughs> I, and we're all the same, man. Just, just start. Can you, can you imagine if I asked that question and nobody raised their hands? Yeah. Like, okay, wrong crowd. We're of like, course. Let's wrap this up right now. Yeah. We're, you're we're not done. here learning something new yeah. because everything, you're 100% happy with where you're at and satisfied. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. There's always that moment. So yeah. just start. I guess that was the thing. Like, you got to just do it. Just start. Just do it. Come to my class on Saturday. I'll show you how to do it. So. Easy. He's going to be in Lansing tonight. So if you happen to hear this, because I'll get it up in the next hour and a half. Um, if you happen to hear this, he will be in Lansing tonight. But also, and by the way, just in case you're listening to this later, it's going to be Saturday. But today is Tuesday, October 15th. Yep. Right. So if you're listening to this a week later, it won't apply. You can still go to his website and still check out all his other stuff. But if you want to see him this weekend, it's the 19th. Right, it's this Saturday the nineteenth. It's at the West End in Southfield. Southfield. I'll put the link in the notes, and no, I'm not getting paid. One hundred and forty nine dollars, or you can just go check out all of his other stuff. Right, yeah. so if you go to multifamilyinvestingacademy.com, dot com, and the links in the show notes. Right. And I don't say this very often, but he actually has a really good podcast. I hate to say it, but most real estate podcasts fucking suck. <laughs> they, they're terrible, right? But this one is actually I, really good. I, I love think. my podcast. I anyway, am the Don Rickles of multifamily Well, it's like podcasts. this, right? You're yes. just talking, right? Exactly. You, so, and I like and you that. you never know. And you're having real conversations exactly. with real people yep. about real deals. I love podcasting. It's fantastic, yeah. right? So you can go and search his podcast, right? And he kind of named it a little weird, but look, multifamily investing with multifamily attorney, Charles Dobbins. And this, I'll put that link in the show notes too. But if you want, if you don't want to wait and you just want to go search it, you, you can go search it right now. I you don't have to, to change click. the name of my podcast. And my original podcast was too similar to Joe Fairless's name. Ah, yeah. Yeah. I like Joe Fairless's thing, name, but I want to just add multifamily to it. And then Joe gives me a call and says, Hey, 
Do you mind? I said, ah, I appreciate it. I'll, I'll change it. So it's probably good to change because people might search and then see that one yeah, too. Yeah, you know? but you know, I just didn't want. I mean, he built up a nice franchise from yeah. know, himself, and he's a good guy. And you know, I'm not looking to create a bad name for myself. So, so you can go check him out. Do your homework on the podcast too. See if you like it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. So and I yeah, subscribed. Jeremy's in there. So he's in there. I subscribed on it. I think it was good. So um, go check it out. Thank you, Charlie. Hey, I really appreciate awesome. you coming in. Today I know it was a pain in the ass, and you don't normally no, do it in just, person. Yeah, but no, I like cool. doing it in person. This I think this great. turned out this way better. Great. So go check them out. Multifamilyinvestingacademy.com this Saturday. And I, you know, I, I can't believe it. you didn't video at the Westin. Yeah, I know I should. I, this I have a hundred. Wore a clean shirt for you. You do look so, good. Don't worry, we're taking pictures. In fact, okay. let me get this marketing <laughs> picture right here for you now, and I'll give you portrait so, mode too. Oh, look at look at he's got the newfangled iPhone with the three cameras. I do. It you looks like the alien. You're such a geek. When so I, a techno geek. geek. Hey, man, I do love these phones. Go check it out, folks. Multifamilyinvestingacademy.com, or you can go to his event. Link will be. And the show notes, go check out his podcast. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you. Folks, if you like this podcast and would like to support it, if you don't like it, what the hell are you doing here? Go away. Go, do you know how many podcasts there are out here? Go listen to something else. But I assume if you made it this far, you like what you hear. You know, one of the greatest ways you can help me, cost you nothing, go rate and review on iTunes. And if you like Charlie's podcast, go rate and review too. I notice he does not have very many reviews. So oh. one of the ways you can help him, because he oh, probably, yeah. since he's a newbie I'm in a newbie. the podcast, I was supposed to do this. On iTunes, if you rate and review, you're more likely to show up in the search engine, right? And the more uh, ratings and reviews you have, the more you show up. So that's, if you like my podcast and you like his, go rate and review. You could also share the podcast on social media. We're trying to help people, trying to get this information out, and you're listening to this podcast for free. You can also hire me to list and sell your home, at least if you live in Michigan, um, or I can do referrals for you too, depending on where you're at in this country, or even buy a house, personal or investment. You can refer people to me, and obviously, you can always send me your wholesale deals. Go to renegadedetroit.com, meetup.com forward slash investors, and facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club you can hit me up on twitter and instagram at jeremy burgess of course you can always call or text 313-600-2133 shout out to my boy joe randall mortgages by joe randall two l's always like to thank him for buying us this beautiful podcast table that we got to work on thank you joe go check him out and as i wrap up this podcast i do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent I know there are many distractions, mistakes, poisonous people, bad habits. I don't know if you look around and go, damn, everybody's doing a bang-up job. I'm going to put all in trust the government or trust this corporation or trust this job. Don't. Pick some goals, stick with it, and do something every day. Don't give up. All right? Till the next podcast or till the next meeting, crush it.